time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 16 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. This is part two of our Necron Codex coverage. We are joined once again by these two amazing individuals, Mr. Michael Timpe. Hello, my man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Adam? I'm fan-freaking-tastic. Very happy to have you both here. And the other half, of course, is Mr. Danny McDevitt of Mob Rules, or Mog Rules, as he's decided to title himself. And forevermore, you should all call him that. But how are you doing, Danny? Good to, good to have I you back. I am doing awesome. It's so good. To, thanks for having me, Adam. And first and foremost, I'll, I'll thank you again, both of you, for making yourselves available. You gave, I really squeezed some blood out of the stone uh, for the content last week out of you guys, and you've uh, recharged your batteries, and we're here to finish this book off. Now, for those at home, um, we will be starting back from where we left off. We will be starting at page 62 from the Coop Deck Arcana. We've got a little bit of housekeeping to go through first. Um, first and foremost, I'll, these two gentlemen um, both run their own podcast. They're both quite luminaries of their fields, and I want to give them uh, the opportunity to plug themselves. So, Michael, please tell us a little bit about the things you do and where people can tune in and, and hear some more from you yeah so high lords of terra podcast you got alex will and myself we come out once a month and uh we we try our best uh it's a it, as danny had said which i think he took from pablo's uh strange podcast review episode, <laughs> um we're a hybrid podcast which is to say uh we don't do anything particularly well but we do have some skits some humor we talk about stuff that we're playing. We back when there were events, we did those, and yeah, uh, it's been pretty filler oriented lately. The last couple episodes were definitely fil- uh, just pure. We need an episode, so uh, look out for that. But under normal circumstances, we do actually talk mostly about 40k. Fantastic! And Danny, tell us a bit about you. Um, so I am one half of the podcast Mob Rules. Uh, Mob Rules is again uh, kind of a, a kind of a hybrid podcast. So we talk about all different aspects of the hobby. Um, we're going to start running uh, uh, a crusade campaign when the Death Guard book comes out. Uh, so John and I will both have brand new codexes, Necrons and Death Guard, uh, to kind of pit each other against. Um, <clears throat> but we do a lot of humor stuff. Uh, we, uh, yeah, t- uh, Michael and I, uh, we actually kind of run. Like overall, if you look at it from like a thousand like a thousand foot view, there's a lot of similarities between the two podcasts that we run. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, uh, yeah, so check us both out though on the uh, Rogue Trader Network, as we are both part of that. It's almost like I don't pick people at random for this stuff. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, to tell you a little bit, guys out there, a little bit about Art of War Down Under, because I feel like I've been neglecting to kind of sell my own content. So this is a two-part podcast. Uh, part one of this podcast is a comprehensive uh, cover-to-cover, as best we can, review of a piece of 40K content. In this case, it's going to be the Necrons Codex. A couple of weeks ago, it was the Space Marine one. Before that, we were doing Psychic Awakenings. But from here on out, with uh, G-Dub's release schedule, it's going to be wall-to-wall codexes. And th- the whole purpose of this is uh, G-Dub brings out things so quick and so fast that a lot of the lot of the layman's out there, a lot of people who don't have a lot of time to dedicate to this game, don't always have it in them to go and buy a new book, disseminate a new book, absorb a new book. This is the, Hopefully, this is the podcast for you. Hopefully, this is a podcast that you can listen to while you're doing something else, cleaning your house, and give you a lot of useful information um, from people who are experts and, and, and one guy who just likes to talk a lot and tell you a lot about how this thing works, what's in it, what does it do, how to play against it, how to play with it. 
Now, and on the inverse of that, so we have a part two of this, which is available for our, the people who are patrons of this, uh, because naturally we need to grease the gears and uh, make make this thing worth making, especially if I'm going to have people on here for up to five hours at a time. It needs to be some kind of incentive. So part two of this, we I, I pick the brains of the two the, the people that I have on with me. We start writing lists with the content we've disseminated. We start talking about how to play it, how to build lists. They talk about the archetypes, the strengths and weaknesses of the book, and the good and bad matchups and things of that ilk. On top of that, if you're a patron here, um, you get to submit questions for the guests and also lists for review. And in the part two of this one, we do actually have a, a, a quite a good, quite a strong Necron list to review and try and improve and try to assist one of the patrons with. So if you are all interested in any of that, please um, jump over to Patreon and look for um, Art of War Down Under 40K or AOWDU 40K. And uh, you'll find us and be able to sign up and get involved. And uh, thank you so much to anybody and everybody who already has. But onto the good stuff. I felt I felt like that was very Pablo esque. I, I love one. I love Pablo dearly. But uh, <laughs> every now and then he'll have like a, a five minute monologue at the start of his a start of chapter tactics, and you're like, good old Pablo, monologuing away. He's a good man though. Um, but gentlemen. We are here to talk about Necrons, and we left off at page 62, as I said before, the Cryptic Arcana. Now, this is a bit weird. This is brand new into this book. It used to be you had one Cryptic, and you could either, either have him equipped with the 5 plus Invon bubble or the, the Flappy Flappy Cloak, as I like to call it, where he could you know follow around and try and res or give uh, improved animation to things like um, it was, well, race at the time, yeah? He gave him a heal. Yeah. He was good at healing vehicles. Yeah. So, uh, Michael, you, you want to tell us a little bit about Cryptic Arcana. What is it, and why do you want it? So, this is a huge set of specialized war gear for only Cryptex, of which we have flavors of them now. In a pri- Prior, we had our special named Cryptex, such as Orican and mm-hmm. Cezaris, and now we have um, four new kinds of Cryptex, which are just base base models, which we're going to talk about. And now they have special gear that uh, makes them more unique and interesting. Some of it is locked to the new flavor types. Some of it is for any cryptic who has the keyword. Mm. So, Danny, this seems to this seems like the plugin of a similar ilk to how Space Marines customize their stuff. How you get a super apothecary, super chaplain. Is this something now that you're seeing this in the Necron book and the Space Marine book? Is this something you expect to see in all codexes moving forward? They'll get some kind of build your own ca- character flavor. Yeah, I really think that that's going to be something that they're going to be, and it may not even be limited to characters. Like, I imagine we're going to see something similar to this with the Orc Codex, uh, with the custom jobs. I think that that'll kind of be incorporated into, like, every mainline codex. So I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with races like Eldar or, um, or like, Imperial Guard. Like, they may have tank Mm -hmm. aces. Like, that might be their thing. So I'm really excited to see how that kind of all pans out. Yeah, I think you, you touched on two really cool ones they might plug in at some point. But jumping into this, um, so these all cost either power if you're playing narrative or non-matched play or points on your list if you are playing um, match play. And we'll, we'll jump into the points um, as they become relevant, if they become relevant. First one here, uh, and these all have crazy-ass names. Just putting it out there, crazy-ass names. So, And I'm going to pronounce these uh, very horribly. This first one, Atta Vindicator. ATA Vindicator, whatever. Uh, Psychomancer model only. <laughs> At the end of your movement phase, select one enemy unit excluding vehicle units within 18 of the bearer and roll 3d6. If the total is equal to or greater than the enemy unit's leadership characteristic, it suffers d3 mortal wounds. So it's actually it's, it's pretty much a baby smite uh, where you roll 3d6. Now, Michael, is there any real uses for trying to pack mortal wounds into your army like this in this kind of manner? Yeah, mortal wounds are, are nice. If you're going to take a Psychomancer and you want to make it do a few mortal wounds, there might be a little bit of play there, although that's not the mortal wound cryptic. I'm, I say with air quotes that you can't see. Yeah. Um, that's the Plasmancer, but the Psychomancer, 
is there. And if you want those mortal wounds, it's available. It also synergizes slightly with uh, flayed ones as well, if I'm not mistaken, mm. because of their uh, ability to reduce leadership. Yeah. Now this costs. Uh, this is 25 points for the privilege. This is 25 points to possibly do maybe a smite. Um, I'm my, I, I'm personally not a fan of paying 25 points for maybe doing a smite. Um, I'd rather pay 25 points and just just smite every turn. Uh, is, is that just put this out of people's price range? Well, it's kind of interesting that you say smite and there's a few things that come to my mind. Um, number one, it's not a psychic power, so it can't be denied. Number two, it's not visible, so it doesn't have that requirement, although it does have to be within 18 inches. So, I mean, that's kind of nice. You could do it over terrain and you don't have to see the thing. So maybe a little bit better in that regard. Yeah, actually, you probably pointed out two of the better things there. So maybe there is a little bit of hope for it. Would you like to read the next one out for us? And then we'll chuck it over to Danny for his opinion. Absolutely. So Crypto Geometric Adjuster. At the start of your opponent's shooting phase, you can select one enemy unit that is within 12 inches of and visible to the bearer. Until the end of the phase, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, subtract one from the attack roll. Danny, what do you think, man? Uh... Well, so luckily for this one, uh, it's kind of on the cheaper side. Um, so you're looking at 15 points for this one. Um, but the problem with it is, obviously, is you've got to be danger close with a relatively fragile character. So most all the cryptex are looking at like a four plus armor save, toughness four, four wounds. Um, so they're pretty squishy characters. Um, and I really don't want to be uh, within 12 inches uh, of any enemy unit <laughs> with my cryptex if I can help it, for sure. It's it's funny. The only other parallel for a, a thing like this is I think it's Tigerius. He points at one of your own models though in, in in his in your in your opponent's shooting phase and says that one's minus one to hit. And this one, yeah. you point at one of your opponent's models and says they're minus one when they shoot. Um, it's a good buff and it's the best. It's one of the best debuffs you can put on a unit. And he just walks up and, and it just happens. But yeah, you're right. You're exposing him pretty significantly. But for only fifteen points, maybe it is worth uh, the opportunity cost, especially if you've yeah. got a meta of say guard and tower, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Or it's it's great against uh, orc units too, like big orc units that that might shoot unless, unless they're going to use more DACA or something, and then they're going to have to use that for sure if they want to get some good results out of their shooting. Yeah, that's very true. You want to read out the next one for us, brother? Uh, we got the pho- the photonic transubjugator. Uh, so this says once well per done. turn. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, the first time a saving throw is uh, failed for the bear, the damage characteristic is reduced to zero. Um, so this is kind of like the uh, uh, what's it called the uh, the helix on the yeah. uh, uh, on the new infiltrators, uh, which is which is not terrible. It definitely is nice protective mm-hmm. technique, right? Yeah, uh, it's not the most horrible thing in the world. But uh, why are you getting a cryptic shot? <laughs> That's a good point there. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, on top of that it's it's the most expensive one isn't it it's 30 points well second most it's the equal most expensive 30 points that if your cryptech if you play badly and your cryptech does get shot he won't die to the first one the first uh, the first shot well, that's only 20 points but still like you're right why this is a fail less item and that doesn't seem great well, yeah, very, keep very in mind well that table mind. is not in any kind of order <laughs> apologies i actually when, yeah, when the no. first two went yeah when the Never mind. I got it wrong. I thought they were, they were in um, the order which they were written. But we can't, you know, G-Dub doesn't why, do things like why that. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, why would, yeah, why would you do that? Why would you put them in the order of which they're or written and displayed? Order, or in order of points. <laughs> or in any order, for that matter. But never mind. Moving on to the next one. Dimensional Sanctum. The bear gains the dimensional translocation ability, which I believe is Deep Strike. Yeah, Michael? Uh, it is. It's just Deep Strike. Hmm. So how many points is this one? Uh, it is 15. 
I mean, if you're building if you're building that play into your into your playbook, and you got something Actually, that's really good. Medical order. We're just busting balls. Oh well, yeah, we're bad. Anyway, we're bad. But is is, is that any good? Giving crypto dig strike for fifteen points. If you want to save the command point for the stratagem, or I mean, just basically that's all it is. If for some reason you need to get this person in a particular position, like I maybe, and you don't want to spend the command point, sure, but that's mm. the only use I see for it. So that's the trade-off you think. You think if the command points are more important to you at this point than say having twenty points left over and you're just you're purchasing it, there's there's your how to weigh it up. And I and I ask a bigger question, which is why don't you want your cryptech on the board? Why do they need mm. to start off the board? And what are they doing away from everything else? Or are they, you know, is it turn two or three and they're catching up? Like I don't mm. I don't quite get it. Yeah. I suppose the idea while I was thinking is if you're outflanking, say, a big unit of Scorpac destroyers or something, you can deep strike a cryptech down with them and not be restricted by its movement or whatnot. But still, like there's there's much better and more elegant ways of getting around that than paying points for it. Agree. Uh, you want to read out the next one for us? Yep. Cortical Subjugator Scarabs. Once per battle, at the start of the Heroic Interventions step of your opponent's charge phase, you can select one friendly dynasty unit within six inches of the bearer. Unless that unit is within engagement rate of range of any enemy units, it can perform a Heroic Intervention as if it were a character. Uh, this is pretty cool. I actually hmm. like What What do you say it being its uses? If you had something, like if you keep your stuff together, let's say you have a screening unit that someone got around, or you have, let's see, um, my the thing in my head was if you threw this, this is not a, a cryptic restricted, so let's say for some reason, you know, you had your second Technomancer around, or whoever's around, uh, you could throw this on there and, you know, mob some scarabs or something nearby to uh to complicate the lives of something that wasn't anticipating charging that which does mm. energize to some extent with the uh old ones arise dynasty trait where the heroic intervention the pilot and consolidate for those becomes four inches yep so all of a sudden they could have a whole squad of scarabs that they weren't planning to fight in their face just leap forward another eight inches yeah um or well, it would be eleven inches actually, wouldn't it? Because if you could you go three, and then you get the eight, the four, and the four. Danny, this seems to me this seems more up your alley. Um, this this seems like a great way for somebody who's got a conventional gun line to say better protect themselves from being tapped and wrapped and things of that ilk. Like if someone's say come in very quickly with you know that infiltrates or deep strikes or leapfrogs and double moves, um, you can use this to intervene and stop them and, and base models rather than have them like tap all your doomstalkers or things of that ilk. Would that would that be a fair yeah, assessment? For sure, I think so. It's kind of like if you uh, if you don't have like a lot of canoptic units in your list, and you want to kind of use this to give yourself a kind of like a get out of jail free card uh, for your gun line. Like if you have a good close combat unit that's not canoptic, you don't or and or you don't want to spend the command point on it. I think it's really solid. Um, or like just advancing, like uh, for example, like lich guard onto an objective or something like that, or close to an objective. And if your opponent doesn't move out of the way. And you're going to get some Lich Guard to the face, and nobody wants that. Mm. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool as well. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the it's equal cheap. cheapest. Yeah. It's one um, of the Danny, cheapest you want to check yeah. us on the next one? Uh, so we have Counter Temporal Nanomines. Um, and so this is for uh, only a Chronomancer model. Uh, in your shooting phase, you can select one enemy unit within 18 inches of the bear until your next turn. Have advanced, uh, <clears throat> have advanced rolls and charge rolls made for that unit. Um, so it's kind of like a like a like a 
a like a decent part of at least a a uh, thunderfire cannon. Um, so mm-hmm. it kind of can give you uh, a little bit more control over the movement phase, especially if you you know you don't want an enemy unit to get onto an objective through charging. Like you've got some nasty kind of nasty assault uh, unit, and this is only for a chronomancer. It's pretty expensive because uh, this one is thirty points. It's it's thirty points. Yeah, it's thirty points. That's a lot, um, but it's mm-hmm. not one use only. It's every turn. So, like, you can get a lot of use out of it, especially if you're playing the mid table. Uh, I think it's pretty. It's pretty decent. Mm. Uh, I think it's like uh, it's if you are. Well, it's too, eighteen. Which makes a big yeah. Eighteen is huge. Is a good range for these. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's not a gimme, but I think that it's a good choice for a chronomancer. This is the this is the most solid one I've seen so far. I don't know if you guys would agree. This seems like one that you could quite easily build around if you had if you had like this this guy sitting behind. 40 to 60 warriors or things of that or college card or whatever you want to call it. Um, you could really hamper your opponent's ability to come in and stop you getting objectives. For sure. I agree. All right. Jump into the next one. So next one is fail safe overcharger. Technomancer only. Uh, in your command phase, you can, you can select one friendly uh, canoptic unit within nine of the bearer. Until the start of your next command phase, add one to attack characteristics of models in that unit. If that unit is a monster or vehicle, instead add D3 to the attacks instead of one. So, uh, that's an interesting one. I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly just jump ahead in my thinking. Uh, canoptic spiders that can be taken in units of three are they monsters? They, they sure, sure are. are. And they <laughs> so they'd get three d they get three d three attacks. Yeah, correct. I think the unit gets an extra d three, so a minimum of one, more likely two. I think that moves them to seven apiece, right, Danny? Uh, so they're they're five attack space. Um, so yeah, minimum minimum six, I think. Yeah, but it would be it, seven on average, which is pretty hot. Right, correct. Correct. So yeah, add D3 to the attack char- yeah, D3 to the attack characteristics of models in that unit. So even if it's a unit of monsters, every single one of them would get D3. Yeah, that's actually kind of huge. <laughs> I mean, even the plus one is just good. How many points is this one? It's 30. Uh, this is the other 30. 30 points as well. Yeah, good. Good. <laughs> I'm just gonna say good. Uh, I don't know how good the technomancer is. We'll probably get to that later. But just off the bat, Danny, does this excite you? This is my very favorite. Cryptek Arcana out of all the things in the book. Mm. So I think I think it's, I started, I think it's a number one. I started with you first because I'm pretty sure I know how Michael feels about it. But Michael, tell us a story. Yeah, strong agree. Uh, it's it's definitely the best Arcana in the book. Fantastic. Now st- staying with Michael, you want to grab us the next one because yeah. I can't pronounce it. Hypermaterial Abelator. So hmm. in your command phase, you can select one friendly Dynasty Core or Dynasty Canaptic unit within nine inches of the bearer. Until the start of your next command phase, each time a ranged attack is made against that unit, if the attacker is more than 12 inches away, then the unit you selected as tree is having the benefits of light cover. Uh, what this, are your thoughts? This is pretty mediocre. Um, not only is it easy to have your protocol with cover, and not only is there more cover on the board, um, th- this can stack with an additional save. Like, you might be able to play some some fun games. I'll give an example. Let's say that you went first and you had a situation where you were in the correct protocol and you had this and let's say a movable phalanx, you could have a plus three save unit. Mm. That's, that's kind of interesting in a high AP world. Um, That's a lot of moving parts to make that happen, especially for 25 points. Um, I think it's too, the juice is not worth the squeeze. There we go. Well said, and I tend to agree. Um, I don't expect Danny to be saying anything different to that, though. Uh, I think it's so okay. So one unit I'm looking at this on, like I like this for uh, 
uh, for like Canoptic Spiders specifically, because um, you get a whole unit. It's like 18 wounds worth of Toughness 6 models that you can get a 2 plus save on without having to like do too much. So I think there's some play there, and it's not Cryptek Lock, so you can put it on like a Chronomancer or a Psychomancer, because there's other stuff you probably want to be giving your Technomancers. So I think it's okay. I agree. I agree. It's, a, it's a lot of work and a lot of points. Um, but mm. I, 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 but I, I, more or less, I guess I agree with you guys. <laughs> That's fair enough. All right, next one, Quantum Orb. Plasmancer model only, once per battle in your command phase. The bearer can activate this uh, item of Canoptic Arcana. If it does select one point on the battlefield anywhere within 24 of the bearer and place a marker on that point. At the start of your next command phase, roll 1d6 for each unit within 6 of the center of the marker, subtracting 1 of that unit being rolled for as a character. On a 4 to 5, that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds. And on a 6, the unit suffers 3 mortal wounds. The marker is then removed. How many points is this? This is 20 points, and it is pretty much an orb B, isn't it, Danny? It's Sorry, it's a what? Orbital bombardment. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes, correct. Um, and that—that's almost exactly what it is. Uh, I think it's if you're mm. going to play a list that spams a lot of mortal wounds, and I think you could. There's like, there's some list out there that I think you could build with this, like with a bunch of satan shards and this and the Ed of indicator, um, where you can really spam a lot of like unstoppable mortal wounds, especially if you can like put this on an objective. Uh, that's you know midfield on turn on turn two or or something like that. Especially if your opponent pushes mm-hmm. to like one side super heavy, um, I think that you it, it might have some play. Um, but it's pretty situational. Um, if I was going to take a plasmancer, I would probably take it just because that's a free three command point stratagem, roughly like or at least that's what the value is according to Games Workshop. Yeah. Um. So I, I think there's something there. I just I, I mean, it's not great. It's it's okay. Yeah, I think that the whole or B um, concept has taken a hit in the fact that you have to place it in one command phase and it goes off in the next one. Whereas last edition, you just chucked it down and it happened that that same moment you, you chucked down the marker. Um, I think that it's it's more it's more useful now as a way of break, making your opponent break up formations or possibly move massed um, small units, things like two two man units of tower drones off objectives things of that ilk rather than actually doing damage at least how that's how it feels to me now we'll stick with danny would you like to read out the next one for us sure you have the metallodermal tesla weave um i'm gonna you two you two you guys could just read things out from now on (laughs) it's just yeah (laughs) didn't it didn't even didn't even like take a breath or blink you just yeah straight into it anyway tell us what no no joke though i totally practiced all of these when i first got the book to do the book review because i wanted to make sure i said them all correctly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just picture you sitting in front of a mirror. Uh, metallodermical Tesla weave. Metallodermical Tesla weave. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so this one is at the end of the charge phase. Uh, or sorry. At the, end of the char- at the end of the charge step of your opponent's charge phase, you can select one enemy unit that has finished a charge move within six inches of the bearer uh, this phase. Roll 1d6 on a 2 plus. That enemy unit takes d3 mortal wounds. Uh, I don't think it's super expensive. Oh, it's 20 points. Um yeah, Great I don't place. rate this one very. I don't rate this one very high. I think it's okay. Uh, it's not. It's not. not I think it's good, bad. I would say. Yeah. Tell us we're wrong, Michael. Anything else? Nope, yep. Moving on. You want to grab the next one, Michael? Yep. Phylacterin Hive, Technomancer model only. Once per battle, when the bearer uses the rights of reanimation ability, you can select one friendly Dynasty Canoptic or Dynasty Destroyer Cult or Triarch Praetorian unit uh, to be affected by the ability instead of one friendly Dynasty Core unit. The, that's it's interesting. Um, mm. is a pretty popular uh crypt deck, definitely in the top two. I think it's fighting for first or second place, so you're probably going to see a lot of those. 
the reanimation ability for a quick, just off the top of my head, and a refresher for people who don't know, is the bring uh, one model back uh, within a short, like, six-inch range of the Cryptek, or D3 Warriors back. Mm-hmm. I also believe that it's uh, core locked. So Correct. this will open it up to bringing back something like a Scorpec Destroyer, or a Locker's Heavy Destroyer, or a Triarch Praetorian. So that's, yeah, it's kind of interesting. In, to me, so here's here's where I see um, it both shining and falling down. So how many? So let's say you got a, a a destroyer, just a regular bog old destroyer. How many points is that guy? Fifty five. Fifty five. Um, and so you're paying twenty points for the option to bring one fifty five point model back. Um, that's where it gets a little bit wonky for me. You're paying for the option to. Um, it's like when you when you put the points together, when you say, oh, it's a 20-point upgrade to get a 55-point model back, that sounds really good, and that's where I think it's got a lot of upside. The more expensive a model you can just automatically raise, uh, it, it, it just explodes. And um, it, it is it is once per battle. Um, it isn't once per turn. I think that actually would be broke if it was once per turn. Sure. But uh, I, I think it's got a lot. I think there's a lot of merit to this. Am, am I reading it right, Danny? Is that how you see it? Like, is, If you build into it, this thing can be uh, pretty pivotal, or it can just be falls on his face not worth it yeah no i think it's uh, like so yeah you you have to build into it so the best values that you can get out of this is you can bring back a 75 point uh canoptic spider or a 70 point uh heavy destroyer Oof. okay yeah that's that's significant it's you're getting 50 free points in your list so Mm. and it's not hard to trigger uh especially considering that those units are not likely to benefit from reanimation so that yeah it's if they take you down to two spiders or one spider and you just like pop one back it's like hey how you doing yeah that is that is actually a, a big 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 deal so, so yeah i think i think that's got a lot of merit especially with um some people talking about a lot of the the spiders being one of the new go-tos but anyway jumping up to the last one uh prismatic obfuscation yeah, whatever. Uh, unless the bear is the closest eligible target, enemy models cannot target it with ranged attacks. Um, I think this is pretty much. Is do you live in a do you exist in a sniper meta? But where this is cool is that it it it, it goes past lookout, sir. So if if you have a if you have a backfield that's full of a bunch of two man, three man, small units that are just going to be doing scramblers and holding up banners and things like that, this is a way of putting a character back there, and that guy just cannot be shot, even no matter how many how few units you have around. At least that's how I'm reading it, Michael. That seems correct to me. So um, I, I take but, in saying that is it? Yeah, tell us why. <laughs> okay. So I have a guy that hangs out with uh, a Technomancer. Um, he's got the Canoptic Control Node, which will give a plus one to hit to Canoptic units. Um, and I give him the uh, uh, the Thrall of the Silent King Warlord trait. Uh, and so that boosts his aura range uh, by three inches. And so he has a nine-inch range aura of plus one to hit Canoptic for plus one to hit for Canoptic units. And so that lets me really spread out my Doom my Doomstalkers to get better lines of sight uh, down potentially uh problematic areas and so it lets me not have to have a unit behind to babysit him with so that he gets shot yeah. um so it's pretty useful for things like that i would say so it's a 20 point upgrade to not have to take a unit to keep this guy alive that could easily be shot and therefore neutered so yeah actually that makes a hell of a lot of sense i just are you do you see it as just as vital michael i do like it for that uh i have not played enough ninth to know uh the new screening well enough instinctually to know whether or not, like when I'm building a list, am I going to just be able to put things in the way and, you know, it's not a problem 
Uh, are snipers a problem for a meta perspective? So I don't know. I trust Danny. If he says it's useful, it, it probably is, especially mm. if he is taking it over a fail-safe overcharger. Oh, I take two two Technomancers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're right, though. Nice. <laughs> All right, so that that's actually all of the, the cryptic arcana. Um, so, Danny, uh, overall, do you think this was a positive addition? Do you think it was a negative addition? Do you think it was pretty minimal or negligible? Um, can I can I say medium? <laughs> yes, you can totally say medium. You um, fence sitter. <laughs> I think it's. I think they're really cool options to have some cool customization. Um, I I think several of them are very good. Um, like the uh, the counter temporal nano mines are really good. The failsafe overcharge is really mm-hmm. good. Uh, depending on your build, I think the phylacterine hive and the prismatic uh, obstrification are really good. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, I think there's some really cool and fun choices in here. Uh, I think some of them are not so good. Um, but there's, there's definitely some cool upgrades that you can customize, uh, your cryptex mm. without having to spend relic slots on what, you know, what they would normally get for upgrades or you can spend a relic slot and they can get two things, two cool things. So that's cool too. Yeah. I think that, that's, a, that's a pretty it's another way of looking at it. This is like the special issue war gear um, that Space Marines got. Um, but Michael, I, I see two of these as being the ones that you would that would be evergreen. Are there any others apart from Kentor, the, the nano mines, and the Overcharger that you would think would be good in every list? If you're like I said, if you're running those big Canaptic or Destroyer uh, Scorpic destroyers or heavy destroyers, I think that Phylacterin Hive is big. Um, yeah. No, fair shot. All right, moving on, gentlemen, we are up to the Warlord Traits. I'll keep with you, Michael. Would you like to read out the first one for us? Yes, Enduring Will. Each time an attack is allocated to this Warlord, subtract one from the damage characteristic of that attack to a minimum of one. Pretty legit. What are the applications here? Uh, first thing that comes to my mind is a Scorpac Lord that you're playing to mob into people, or... Mm-hmm. Care, you know, do a little hunting or a CCB, uh, the command barge, uh, already pretty tough. And quantum shields in conjunction with that uh, makes it even uh, harder to get rid of. Absolutely right. Um, well, I think that's pre- it's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? But you think the two best are the for the Scorpec Lord and the CCB? I mean, they just come to mind as durable units that you can mm. stack durable things onto and just make them even harder to get. Like you can. Uh, for the relic perspective, you could put on a uh, simp internal weave, which we'll talk about a little later, and just make a yep. really, really hard to kill Scorpec Lord. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do like the Scorpec Lord for just mobbing into people and just slowly grinding them out. Um, next one is Eternal Madness. Each time this wall makes a melee attack, you can re-roll the wound roll. Um, we've, we talked about in the first in the first part of this that we didn't feel like many of the, the characters were especially choppy. I mean, of course, outside the Silent King, which you can't give this to anyway. But uh, is, is Danny, is there any other, is there any real application for this? Uh, it just seems like trying to make you guys extra killer, you just take the killy stuff rather than trying to make, say, a regular overlord more damaging, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd rather try and make him harder to kill in general. Just, uh, I think that's probably a pretty, like, in general, I would say that's a better way to build your characters um, to make them mm-hmm. res- more resilient than more choppy. Yeah, I agree. You want to read that next one for us? Because this was this was te- it tends, was the auto take for, for this sure. one's last edition. But tell us about Immortal Pride now. So Immortal Pride changed pretty significantly. Uh, this was deny psychic power and auto pass morale test within six, um, and now it yep. is uh, each time the warlord would lose a wound, 
Uh, he gets a five, uh, lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound specifically. Uh, he has a five plus to ignore that. Um, and then he gets a six inch aura of uh, you ignore, oh no, you ignore modifiers to combat attrition tests. So uh, the new and the Shroom No Fear uh, for Necron units. Yeah, so you, that means you wouldn't take you wouldn't take the uh, the fail on ones and twos when you blow half, right? Sure. Yeah, or other modifiers because now they're starting to put those into other units yeah. too. Now, yeah, but yes, mm, that's correct. Um, do you like it? Any good? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> I don't like this one very much. <laughs> I think it's okay <laughs> on a command barge, uh, just to give yourself a little bit more durability. Because if you're not going to take. Uh, enduring will <laughs> or one of the or one of the uh, mm. uh the dynastic specific ones uh yeah yeah i i mean it's it's okay i i don't think it's very good though yeah well i mean the attrition i mean the first part is is negligible as all hell because the only applications i really see for this would be in like a, a silver tide you're taking 60 to 80 necron warriors and you, you're only really taking it for the ignore the attrition test part um, but even then, like they're leadership ten, you got better workarounds, and there's a bunch of other things that you can use. But anyway, Michael, uh, tell us about the next one. Thrall of the Silent King add three inches to the range of this warlord's aura abilities to a maximum of nine inches. In addition, when the warlord uses its might will be done, Lord's will, or, or adaptive strategy abilities, you can select one friendly dynasty core unit within twelve inches instead of nine inches. Uh, this is like to me an auto take in every mm. on eight on somebody. I I believe this is the closest to an auto take we're going to get from this section. But uh, tell us why. Uh, you this is an aura driven army, and this is a mm-hmm. you know things having uh, bubbles army. And anytime you can increase the size of those, especially since this stacks with the protocol that also increases auras for a turn, you can get mm-hmm. some pretty substantial stretch on that. Yeah, I really loved what Danny was saying about it before. Just changing, let's say you've got three Doomstalkers bubbled up around what used to be a six-inch aura. The difference between the size of their bases and probably the difference between how to see around uh, a medium to large footprint piece of terrain, is that difference between three three inches and nine inches on that um, on that aura? A lot of the time, especially when that guy can move six inches himself or and, and, and or in advance. So yeah, I, I like it a lot. I think it's, I think it's really strong. And uh, jumping on to the next one is Implacable Conqueror. While a friendly dynastic, sorry, dynasty core unit is in six of this warlord, you can re-roll the charge rolls made for that unit. Now, I wish that wasn't locked to core. I wish it wasn't because if it wasn't locked to core, it, I believe this would be almost be the auto take because it would unlock so much extra goodness for um, a lot of what Michael likes to take, which is the choppy choppy guys. Um, being able to give real charges to the the Scorpion destroyers and things of that ilk or uh, Canoptic Wraith would be actually phenomenal. But as it is um, being locked to core, I don't know how aggressive you want to get with a lot of the core stuff, apart from Lich Guard. Uh, that's pretty safe to say. Michael, or am I reading it wrong? No, I believe that that's the one unit that's going to benefit most from that. Mm. Danny, you got any thoughts on the Blackable Conqueror? Uh, nope, that kind of, that kind of sums me, that kind of sums it up for me too. I think it's, uh, it's pretty good on Novoke. I think, uh, uh, even like if you put it on, there's, there's a couple of ways to get plus one attack on a lot of core units. Um, so mm. giving that to immortals, like a 10 man squad of immortals with them with a reroll charge will still throw out like 30 attacks. Um, so it's kind of like, it's almost mm. like, you know, uh, a Primaris Marine squad charging. It still does work against hordes. So getting them in Do you know where I really wanted good. it? I wish it said, yeah, I wish it said Dynasty Core and Flayed Ones. <laughs> but it didn't know. Here <laughs> yeah, we are. no kidding. Anyway, right? Danny, <laughs> stick, stick with it. You want to jump, take us about the last one? Gotcha. All right, so we got Honorable Combatant. Um, in the fight phase, uh, each time your Warlord is selected to fight, it can engage in Honorable Combat. If it does, select one character unit 
until the end of the phase at two to the attacks characteristic of this warlord, but it can only make attacks that target the enemy character unit. So this will boost most of your combat characters up to six attacks, um, which is which is pretty respectable, mm-hmm. I would say. That's uh, you're getting to you know primary or space marine character levels, um, and they they have decent close combat weapons, but it's limited in the fact that you have to target other characters. Um, so yeah. I mean, it's it's okay on something that can like get in there and actually kill and fight characters, um, like a catacomb command barge or a scorpec lord, but otherwise. Uh, I do not rate this one particularly highly. I do not rate it in uh, one bit, actually. As more and more I'm going into this codex, I'm starting to see a, a bit of a pattern. I mean, a lot of it, am I right in saying one, two, uh, three of these are just buffing um, the killiness of a character? The, the, way, the issue I see with that is if you took any two of the melee, the melee uh, skewed units in this, Scorpec Destroyers, Wraiths, any one of those, of those two models it can be buffed to such an extent that they overshadow anything you can do with any of the characters to my to my mind and i believe michael will be able to tell us if, I, if i'm completely wrong on that Is, was that a fair statement yeah i mean if you really want to murder pinball um this is not this is not the codex to do it but mm. uh if you want to get a little bit of extra mileage out of say uh, a destroyer lord or a scorpec lord i guess they're both destroyer lords but the og Destroyer Lord and uh, the Scorpec Lord, you could you could make them a little a little more killy if uh, and especially now that we can get multiple warlord traits and you might want to put that warlord trait on somebody else. Like why not? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Anyway, jumping over to the uh, dynastic warlord traits. First one is for Mefrit. Uh, this one is uh, pretty pretty meh. I already say that. This is Merciless Tyrant. Add one to the strengths and a ca- attacks characteristic of this Warlord. I feel like we can just automatically move on. There isn't much to talk about oh, there. But I Michael, like tell us about one. the Nefric. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, I'm apologies. I'm wrong. Danny, tell us what's no, up. No, go ahead. Uh, okay. So so just no, th- I- this, kind of, this kind of pushes you past some important thresholds. Um, it takes like a, an Overlord to five attacks, and it boosts him to strength eight uh, with a lot of the weapons that he has. Um, so especially like on a on a guy with a voltaic staff, which is a relic, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, I think it's kind of good. Um, it just it may it gives him like a decent number of attacks. And again, like that boost to strength is is really key to making them actually wound a bunch of stuff on twos or wound vehicles on threes or wound really tough vehicles on fours instead of fives, um, which I think makes a difference. Uh, I think it's probably the best offensive trait that you can give to somebody. Not fair enough. I'm happy. I'm happy you stopped me in order to say that because that actually made a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, might as well stick with you, Danny. You want to read the next one? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so we got uh, Nefrek. Uh, this is skin of living gold. Each time an attack is made against this warlord, subtract one from the attack set roll. Uh, so this is not uh, melee or shooting. It, uh, like locked. It's uh, it's any time you allocate an attack against him. Um, so it's a nice. It's a. It's I guess it's a nice little debuff. I don't know if it's better than minus one damage. Mm. No, that's fair. I, I'm not sure it's better. Actually, I don't think it's better than minus one damage, to be honest, especially with the things that are going to be trying to hit and kill your characters. Uh, but, Michael, tell us about the Nihilak. At the start of the fight phase, if this warlord is within engagement range of any enemy units, it can fight first that phase. Um, this is not great. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> you could have just stopped there. <laughs> this is not great. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you see any applications? No. No, that's fair too. Seconded. Um, I'll, I'll read this one. 
I'll read this one and hit it back to you, uh, Michael, because hopefully you'll be more excited. So this is Novog. This is Bloodfield Fury, which is a sick name. Each time this ward makes a melee attack and a modified rune roll of six inflicts one mortal wound. Doesn't do any other damage. Never mind. I was incorrect. I was thinking about a different one because uh, this is also quite meh. And um, I believe I'm not going to get much dissension on that. No, no one has enough attacks to really get uh, mileage out of this. On average, yes. the, the Scorbeck Lord should trigger one mortal wound which feels pretty wasteful on a Warlord trait. You're just much better getting more attacks. Or, yeah, each time this Warlord makes an melee attack, you can re-roll the wound. You just re-roll all the wounds instead. But anyway, um, Michael, you want to hit on um, Hypological Strategist? Yeah, this is a Sautex. So when the Warlord is on the battlefield, each time you spend a command point to use a stratagem, you can roll 1d6, and on a 5-up, that command point is refunded. It's on a per-point basis. Uh, it's still locked to the one per round that uh, everything is now locked to. However, uh, I think it's great. It's a way to get a little bit more command point regen. Mm. And if you're taking Saltech, uh, you're definitely taking this. Yeah, I think so. Um, Danny, you want to hear on the last one? This is what I was thinking about that we'd be excited about and want to talk a bit about a bit. Oh, sure. Tell us okay. about it. Um, so <laughs> this is the uh, Cesarkin, uh, the Triarch's Will. Uh, if your warlord has this warlord trait, then when assigning command protoc- protocols for the battle, you can select four command protocols instead of five, and then one of those command protocols can be assigned to two battle rounds instead of just one. Uh, yeah, I think this one's so there are like four total warlord traits that I actually act- that I actually like out of out of these ones uh, that I really mm. like, um, and this one is 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 very good. Uh, I think if you're gonna play. To maximize those uh, protocols, this is the one you should be taking. Mm. I 100% agree. I think this is the only build around of the, Na- the Nasic Warlord traits we've read out. Each and every one of them, with the exception of the Sawtech, and this one only benefits the Warlord. And it only benefits them in a relatively limited way. Whereas this one and the Sawtech one both benefit your entire army every game, no matter what the opponent is. It's just a holistic change to how you you go about things and michael is this something that you find merit in do you, do you think this is worth taking game in game out 100 percent. if you have silent king or you have uh this dynasty this is an auto include it's a ton of flexibility and there are definitely protocols where you're going to want it twice mm. well you just think about uh the light cover one for instance you play in a, a heavy gunline meta you play into a, a lot of a lot of gunline marines admech things of that ilk just picking light cover for two turns of the game essentially picking paying four cp yeah in last edition you'd pay four cp to go to um what was it prepare positions you pay two cp at the start of the game prepare positions or was it one cp it was man two- it's already been it's already been so long i can't even remember but yeah it's almost like paying two extra CP to prepare positions first turn, and then you go into second turn with light cover, as if you're an admech in Belsaurus core getting to pick Shroud Psalm or whatnot. But there's just stuff like that you can do, um, which adds a lot of potency. And like For Michael, your army, which is a, a very seems to be very much more melee-based, getting the, the extra pile and consolidates again and again. Um, or what was it? No, sorry, it was the extra bonus to charge, wasn't it? Uh, so the... Ancients arise is plus one inch to canaptic units and it, uh, plus one inch to consolidate and pile in for canaptic units. Yes, exactly right. Um, there's a lot to be said for, for for pivoting into things like that. Yeah, I think this is actually a, a true build around one, which uh, I think is the best of the bunch. And I think like, this is the best of all of them, the dynastic and the regular war traits. This is the the one that stands out to me as uh, the, where the power is and will always be. Um, any other standout for you guys, Danny? Any any others that are that are close to being as good as this? Uh. 
I mean, Thrall of the Silent King, I say otherwise, is, is, is probably the best one after this, but I usually don't want to put it on my actual Warlord. I'll usually spend the command points and put it on somebody a little bit more or who has a little bit better auras because your warlord, because the way Necron warlords work, like you have to make your overlord, your warlord, if you have one or a Necron Lord or a noble. Um, so I, I think that those abilities aren't yep. great. Um, but I, I think that between, between this and that one, I think that those are the by far the best warlord traits in this book. The Sawtech one is like a very close second though. Yeah. I, I agree with everything there. Jumping over to relics, so for those following at home, we've just crossed over to page 66. Um, and the first relic here is the Orb of Eternity. And I feel like we're going to be chatting about this a little bit. Um, model with a Resurrection Orb only. This model replaces a Resurrection Orb. Once per battle in your command phase, the bearer can use this relic. If it does select one friendly dynasty unit within six of the bearer, that uh, is not at its starting strength and has not had its reanimation protocols enacted this phase. That unit's reanimation protocols are enacted. And every destroyed model in that unit begins to reassemble. Each time a reanimation protocol roll is made for the those reanimation protocols, add one to the result. Good lord, they decided to word that in some strange and unusual ways. But it boils down to if you have not pick a unit that has not tried to reanimate yet, every destroyed model, not just the ones that have that, you know, took some casualties, everything that's dead from that unit gets to try and come back with a plus one. Michael, did I read that right? You did. Fantastic. Is this thing awesome? I feel like it is. Danny is the warrior uh, Oh player. man, do I love this. Oh, Danny. I, I love this relic so much. <laughs> this is the first one I take every single right. game. So uh, it's so great on warriors. The nice thing Tell about, us why. Launch into it. Where is the, where is the pivotal... Yeah, so uh, it's not just good on things like warriors or like, hor- like big units, but it's also good on any unit. It's not locked to core or anything like that, which so many other uh, like recursion themes that are in the Necron book are. Uh, so you can bring back, uh, like you can bring back destroyers. You can bring back, uh, uh, like Triarch Praetorians. Uh, oh no, it's nice units. I'm sorry. So not Praetorians. Um, you can bring back Canoptic Spiders. You can bring back Scarabs. So you can get a lot of points back, uh, with this relic. I think it's, if you're going to play a pretty hoardy army, like with, with a big, especially big units of warriors, um, or pretty expensive or like a big unit of Lich Guard or something like that, I think that this is a pretty good relic to take. Now, granted, don't forget, like the, the res orb itself is fairly expensive. Um, it's a 30 point upgrade to characters. So just keep that in mind that you're, you're really spending a 30 points for this. And are you going to get 30 points worth of value on it? Uh, that's up, that's up to you to decide. But I think that overall, this is a, this is a really solid relic. Mm, I absolutely agree. Back to Michael, would you like to read out the next one? Yep, Nano Scarab Casket. Each time the bearer uses its living metal ability, it regains one additional lost wound. Uh, this seems to stack with the protocol that does the same thing. So you could have a turn where your living metal uh, is regening three wounds, which maybe maybe nice. Seems strong. What would you put it on? A uh, command bard or a scorpac lord, maybe. Mm. Although yeah, the scope back lord, you're probably doing the weave, so maybe not. Mm, that's fair, and we'll, we'll get to the weave in a moment. So yeah, I, I feel like that's pretty cut and dry. So jumping over to the next one, this is Gauntlet of the Conflagrator. This um, relic has the following profile: um, range twelve, pistol one, um, no strength, no AP, no damage. And I'm not saying there's zero; there's a dashes instead of zeros. Um, each time an attack is made for this weapon, that attack automatically hits the target. Instead of making a wound roll, one roll roll one d six for each model in the target unit. That unit suffers one model wound for the, each result of a six, and the attack sequence ends. That seems pretty good if you're walking into a horde meta, like a bunch of termagants, bunch of cultists, bunch of 
um, Orc boys, I feel like it's not standing out there because I, I, unlike the Wall of Traits, I feel like the Relics here are really good. But um, Danny, do you see any merit for this? Yeah, you, you put it on a Hexmark Destroyer um, because it's a pistol weapon, so he can still shoot all of his other guns. Yep. And then he kills one model, and does he get to shoot it again, or does he only get to shoot uh, his other pistols? Uh, no, he doesn't get to shoot it again. Okay, no, he gets cool. to shoot it again. That's a great question. Uh, I just, yeah, actually, let's just jump ahead a little bit. <laughs> I, okay. I just looked. He doesn't get, <laughs> that would be really, really, really Yeah, that would be amazing. No, it's only based off of... Uh, that would be incredible. It, it's not bad for uh, that. I mean, it's good. But yeah, what, what are right? the applications here, apart from the hex mark? Uh, so, hmm. I don't know. I mean, because theoretically, what, you shoot, into a unit of, you shoot into a unit of 30 guys and you kill five of them. That's pretty good value. Yeah, that's pretty good value. Um, it's super swingy, though, because of sixes, right? Um. I, I think it's okay. I, I, mm. I, it's something that you're going to have to build around, though. Yeah, I agree. Um, Danny, staying with you, chuck us on the next one. This was the auto take oh, from yeah. last edition. Uh, let's see if it's still as evergreen as it was. Um, so this is the Veil of Darkness. Uh, so this is once per battle in your movement phase, the bearer can use this relic. If it does so, the bearer's unit and up to one friendly Dynasty core unit within three inches of the bearer can be removed from the battle and set up back up anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches away from enemy models. Um, uh, if two units are set up uh, onto the battlefield using this relic, both units must be placed within a wholly within six inches of each other. Um, so it did get a si- substantial decrease in usability yeah. uh, by limiting its core, especially with how limited Necron core is. Um, I definitely will be missing uh, my score pack destroyers using this before this codex came out. Um, uh, I think it's still good though, mm. if because you can pull units out of combat and they they don't count as falling back. Uh, alternatively, it's a good way to get uh, like a big fat unit up onto an objective like pretty quickly, like in like in the first turn, and or block out an enemy's movement, um, uh, like in their deployment zone. Uh, so kind of like a lot of other first turn deep strike shenanigans that you can use. Yep. Yeah, I still think it's got a lot of merit, and uh, the, pl- the 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 armies that want to take it will take it judiciously. I still I still just like it personally for unit of ten lich guard first turn jump in front of your opponent and say you know chew through this very 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 tough stake uh, while I take the rest of the board behind him. Um, but Michael, I'll get your thoughts on this one as well. For Veil of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Used to be the auto include. Uh, it lost a great deal of its utility now that it's limited to core. However. Uh, if you have a core unit that you want to drag across the board and get something done, like it's a, it could be a nice way to pull, uh, let's say twenty warriors that got themselves wrapped or, or in a combat. Mm-hmm. Like you could yank them out of that. That's kind of nice, or just drop them somewhere and rapid fire into, into someone. That that probably yep. feels good. Uh, yeah, those are the things that come to my mind. Not fair enough. Well, we'll stick with you, Michael. If you want to jump into the the next one. Yeah, Voltalic Staff, a model with Staff Light only. This relic replaces a Staff Light and has the following profile. Its shooting is 18-inch range, Assault 4. Strength 6, minus 2, 2 damage. Its melee is plus 1 strength, minus 2, 2 damage. And each time an attack is made with this weapon, an unmodified hit roll of 6 scores 2 additional hits. What do you think? It's it, like The profiles and uh, the, the damage it can do is pretty relevant, but are you really using your, your relics in this slot to try and add damage, or are you trying to add utility and resilience? It depends on what you're, you're doing. I've thought a lot about putting it on a command barge. Since mm-hmm. it is in combat, uh, if it gets in combat, it can keep shooting, and uh, that's, that's nice. It's doing the, the two damage, which is pretty, pretty big right now. So. Yeah. Um, 
And I like that it's um, Tesla in both melee and shooting. Oh, sorry, no, it says shooting. Never mind, never mind. I apologize. Yeah. It said ability shooting. Uh, but yeah, so when you put it on that CCB, his so he'd be, he'd go to strength six minus two two damage. So it'd be the same profile for shooting and for in combat. Yeah, I actually like it a lot on the CCB. That's actually a really good pickup. Um, we'll jump over to the last next one. So this one is the Void Reaper model with a Void Scythe, Void Scythe or War Scythe only. This model places those two things and has the following profile: uh, merely. Uh, strength plus two, minus four, flat three damage. This time an attack is made of this weapon. Uh, rules that ignore wounds cannot be used, so you don't get feel no pains, you don't get those things that cap. Uh, you only can only take X amount of wounds per turn. Seems pretty good. Um, Danny, what are your thoughts here? I think it's a pretty solid buff to a close combat character. Um, it makes him a li- like a little mini Nightbringer. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a, a Necron a Necron Lord that's, you know, uh, plus one strength or plus two strength, like it's pretty good on the like the Mephric command barge um, with that Warlord trait because it gives him five attacks with this weapon. Um, and it makes him strength eight and he ignores all these all these other r- rules. He ignores a lot of uh, pretty much, you know, three plus armor saves altogether with the minus four AP. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great offensive uh, offensive tool. Um, it's not one that I have I have built a character mm. around to use yet, though. Not fair enough. Uh, Michael, you want to tell us about the next one? Yeah. Uh, Sub Internal Weave. Infantry Noble model only. Add one to the toughness and wounds characteristic. So everything I said about the Scorpec Lord is wrong. That dude is not a noble, so you can't put it on him. So that increases the cachet of the Nano Scarab Casket or you know, something like that for that one's toughness, because that is something that could, it could benefit mm. from. Because it's noble only, uh, infantry noble only, you can't put yeah. it on command barge like you used to be able to. Like, yeah, this is just this is just buffing up uh, uh, people on foot. So yeah. would it even catch the uh, the locust lord? Is he even infantry? He's infantry, um, but he's not. A no- he's, he's not a noble. He's not a noble. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. They they sucked all the life out of this. Not to give orders anymore. Yeah, they they really wrecked this one, didn't they? Um, not fair enough. Yeah, that, that seems a bit of a, a bit of the air was taken out of those sails. But uh, Michael, stick with you. Tell us about the next one. Yep. So the Arrow of Infinity model with a Tachyon Arrow only. This replaces the Tachyon Arrow. It's a one-shot, once-per-game shot, and it's 120-inch range, assault one, strength 16, minus five, six damage. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so there's a, this is actually interesting if you, if you wanted that extra little hit. Um, hmm. There's that stratagem to auto wound without rolling, so you could save that reroll for the reroll to hit, and yep, you could force a save if they get a save at minus five, and just say, "Hey, you, you know, deal with that six damage." It's just funny that this is essentially the same profile, with the exception of the damage, the same profile as the uh, the Valiant's harpoon. I'm just I'm just imagining <laughs> a Necron Overlord like hefting this giant harpoon to somebody. But Danny, do you like this? Do you hate it? Do you uh, loathe it? I, I think it's okay. I think it's super super niche. Um, six flat damage could be the you know could be the death of an important vehicle or something like that, or a character that. Uh, got you know his squad wiped out from around him, which is which is okay. And minus five AP means they're basically getting no save unless they have an invul. Um, it's okay. Uh, I would rate it on the lower end of okay though. <laughs> yeah, um, I I wish it had no invul as well. On That'd it. be cool. I figure you're paying. You pay, it's a relic for a one shot relic. Um, you probably shouldn't get an in, shouldn't get an invul. It should just be like uh, it wins you on a two plus no saves. 
Um, maybe you can take mortals against it. I don't know. But I feel like only being AP minus five, most of the things you want to shoot this at are probably going to have a five plus at worst. Um, if you if you are shooting this at a intercessor, um, which you will instant kill. The question begs, why did you spend it? Probably spend a CP to kill an intercessor. Uh, but, you know, maybe, it's, maybe it wins you the game. Who knows? But anyway, next one. Conduit of Stars. Uh, Mephrit model only. So we're getting into the, the specific ones here. Um, this relic places a relic Gauze Blaster and has the following model, uh, following profile. Um, strength, sorry, range 36, type rapid fire 3, strength 6, minus 2, 2 damage. So that can be 6 shots at strength 6, minus 2, 2 damage. That seems legit. And at uh, range 36, that means you're rapid firing at 18, which is quite nice too. But the Relic Gorse Blaster, is that the what's on the wall? Yes. It is. It's on. Yeah, I, I thought so as well. But yeah, Michael, what do you think about this? If you're taking Mephrit and you're taking a Warden, I would definitely take this weapon. Like, it's a great weapon. You'll get a lot of value out of it, is my guess, especially with Mephrit's additional AP yeah uh, shenanigans so that's saying at 18 inches you'd be minus three wouldn't you I and, so. and 19 inches because they're that's plus three actually pretty inches. legit really oh, outrageous so it's yeah that's right who, who doesn't like an extra inch right <laughs> but anyway uh danny tell us about the solar staff oh man okay so the solar staff is the uh uh nefrek specific staff of light uh it's a staff of light upgrade um so it is a 24 inch uh assault six strength five minus two one damage um or in melee it's strength user minus two ap one damage and it has a special ability each time an attack is made with this weapon against an infantry unit if a hit is scored then that unit uh is blinded blinded units cannot fire overwatch or set to defend um so what you're getting out of this is you're getting over a normal staff of light you're getting uh, plus six inches of range and an additional, it gets double the shots that you normally would. And then that blind effect. So um, I think mm-hmm. it's, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think this one's pretty bad. I think it's pretty bad as well. I th- I, I can't see the merit. Oh, there are so many better ones that we've already read out. I mean, why would you take this over Veil of Darkness? Why would you even take it over the Baltic Staff, which would do significantly more damage um, in all ways? But yeah, um, I'll jump over to the Infinity Mantle. So this is Nihilak model only. Um, add one to the armor saving throw made for the bearer. Each time the bearer would lose a wound, roll 1d6. On a six, that wound is not lost. So that is both a six that feel no pain and a plus one save. Now, I know Danny is the Nihilak guy, but I'll hit this over to Michael. What do you think, mate? I think that because of its lack of restrictions, it's and you're, if you're taking Nihilak, it's quite interesting. Uh, that again, I come back to that command barge. It moving, it moving up to a two-up armor save, and a six-up pain and quantum shields probably feels pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so the Scorpac Lord is not mad at the exact same treatment uh, with that extra to the save and the six-up feel no pain. Like, why not? Well, because a six-up feel no pain on on your nine effective wounds on the CCB, that's going to equate to you sometimes, most of the time, being a, a, an equivalent of 11 wounds with a two-plus save. And, of course, your... Um, uh, quantum shielding that is pretty freaking saucy if you ask me um but yeah I, i'll actually ask danny about this one as well what are your thoughts mate because nihilak is your wheelhouse yeah i think this one if you combine this and the enduring will for the minus one damage on a on a command barge i think that is a super durable like uh just a missile that you can shoot into your opponent's army and it's going to be obsec too so unless they have something on the objective that is also obsec like he's great <laughs> at holding stuff up Mm, I think I think you're absolutely right. He's really great at being something that people have to account for, and I think that gives it a lot of power. Um, but Michael, you want to touch on the next one for us because this one is your wheelhouse. Yeah, Blood Scythe. That's a Novak relic. It replaces a Void Scythe or War Scythe, so it replaces a War Scythe. And 
It's uh, plus two strength, minus four uh, AP, and two damage, and it gives two additional attacks. Uh, it used to do D3. It now just does two flat, which is even better. Mm. And I think it's really, really great for an overlord or a destroyer lord if you want to get those couple extra attacks and you know consistent two damage with them only getting involves. Uh, feels really good. Yeah, six attacks on the Locust Lord, which is the the, the old D Lord for those at home. Uh, that feels quite saucy, doesn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah, fair enough. Um, jump over to the next one. This one is the Vanquisher's Mask. Sawtech model only. At the start of your fight phase, you can select one enemy unit within three of the bearer. That unit is not eligible to fight this phase until all other eligible units from your army have done so. That is the best form of the fight last, by the way. Three inches does make it a little bit iffy. Um, but Danny, do you like it? Do you love it? I mean, who doesn't like the Vexator mask, right? Like, I think this is just, or Armor of Rust. I mean, I think this is exactly just super right. good. So if you're going to take Sawtech, I think this is, I don't know if it's a gimme. I guess it depends on on how you're building your list. Like, if you're going to be building a, uh, like, a more close combat list. I think it's, I think it's really good. That's, that's a, that's a great relic. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, I think it's a, it's a, another feather in the cap of the Necrons to make them feel like a, a truly fleshed out <laughs> faction. Because naturally, if any faction you talk about being at the top echelon has this has some form of this built into it. Maybe Harlequins don't actually, but who needs it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, who wants to jump on the next one? Danny, jump on the sure. next one, last one for us. Uh, so this is the Sovereign Coronal. This is for uh, Cesarkin, uh Noble Model only. Uh, the bear has the following abilities: Command Wave Amplifier Aura. When a friendly Cesarkin unit within, is within nine inches of the bear, that unit benefits from the selective the selected directive of your army's active command protocol while it's within nine inches of friendly Necron character of a of a friendly Necron character model, excluding Satan shards within instead of six inches. So boost that by three. Uh, and then you have synthetic cortex enhancer aura. Wall friendly Cesarkin core unit is within nine inches. Of the bear, that unit benefits from both directives of your army's active command protocol instead of just the selected one. So I think if you take this and also have the uh, the use an additional use one of the or the warlord trait for the Cesarkin dynasty, so you get a double protocol of a good one that you like. I think that's pretty good. You can also combine this with the thrall of the Silent King, since these are both auras, so you can boost them to twelve inches. Um, which is which is pretty interesting. Like mm. you can really spread them out. Um, so I think this one's a great. If you're gonna build to benefit from protocols, which you can, I think this is a great relic to do so. Is it just me, or are they are they telling you to play the new stuff? <laughs> They're like, hey, we're just gonna buff the new guys. Let's buff the new guys. Hey guys, what if we buff the new guys? Which smells a lot like the uh, the Gilliman Ultramarine treatment that they got when that codex came out. But Michael, what are your thoughts here? I agree. If you're running this dynasty. Uh, 100% you want this. It's just giving you better mileage out of the thing you're trying to do more of. Uh, yeah, this is something yeah. that. So apart from, so outside of the Orb of Eternity, um, I think this is the... So, okay. So when I read all the other ones, the, you know, the the, the Sawtech, the uh, the Nefrek, the, the Novok, whatever, they didn't give me a reason to play that. They were like, hey, if you are playing Novok, this is a good take. The... The Caesarican, both the Caesarican Warlord trait and Relic make me want to play that dynasty. They make me want to lean into that dynasty rather than saying, hey, if I already play that one, this will make me a little bit better. Uh, 
Danny, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a really good synop I think that's a really good synopsis. Like I think this is one that you would want to build like you want to build into for the relic and the warlord trait. Mm, I agree. Of course for for big old silent he's silent king. But yeah, so that is that encapsulates the, the relics guys. Now, Michael, um are there any other relics? What are the relics that are the go-tos for you? Which ones are the standouts? I mean, of course, apart from the Orbit Eternity, which I think is almost the the evergreen order include. Is there another one that really hits you in the face and saying, hey, pick me? I still like the Veil of Darkness. If I have core units that I'm trying to move around, I think the Voltalic Staff, like we talked about, uh, mm-hmm. has play. If you're doing Novak, grab that Blood Scythe because it just makes someone better uh, to do more. Those are the big ones. Yep. Not fair enough. Now, jumping over to the Powers of the Gatan, we've got two more pages left, and we'll take an ad break. We've got Powers of the Gatan, and we've got the um, chapter approval, which, of course, is the secondaries. So the Powers of the Gatan, um, so they work pretty. They work similar to where they did the last one. They're, they're like pseudo-psychic powers, but my God, do they feel a lot more well-rounded and powerful now. The first one, Anti-Matter Meteor. Um, roll 1d6, adding one to the roll if the Catan shot is a, in a Tesseract Vault. Um, on a 3 to 5, the closest enemy unit that is in 24 and, vis- of, and visible to the Catan shot suffers 3 mortal wounds. And on a 6+, plus, that enemy unit suffers d3 plus 3. So that is a straight-up big old buff on what it was before. Because what it was before, I think, was just a smite. Is that correct, Michael? Pretty much, yeah. On a 2-up, uh, you could do the end with plus 1. If it was the Vault, you're basically doing d3. Yeah. Is this any good? This is basically the auto take power because you have to list your powers now. Uh, you mm-hmm. know what you're going to be facing. Uh, you will probably see mileage out of this every game, so it's a yeah. big bet. And three mortal wounds seems to be the best amount of mortal wounds to be doing at the moment. With a lot of people having two wound models that have a six up, feel no pain. Doing three just means okay, cool. I killed an intercessor. No, it's no buts really. You have to roll two sixes to keep him alive. Um, Danny, you want to read out the next one? We have times arrow. Select one enemy unit within 18 inches and visible to the Satan Shard. Roll 1d6, adding one to the roll if the Satan Shard is a Tesseract Vault. If the total equal or exceeds the wounds characteristic of any models in the enemy unit, your opponent selects one of those models to be destroyed. Um, Yeah, so uh, if you have a a vault, I think it's maybe a cheeky way to get rid of a four-wound character because you just have to roll uh, a four and they die. Mm. Yeah, because it has to exceed. It can't be equal to or more. But um, yeah, this is really good in a lot of metas. I mean, essentially, you're just uh, you're just fifty fifteing. I mean, a three wound model. You're just fifty fifteing where you just instant kill one. It, um, is, it actually is equals, and it's plus one with the vault. So you, oh, of course, of oh, course, yeah. safely. Yeah, you could safely scrub like a space marine character with a vault on four up. Yeah, and for those for those at home, this is a wounds. It says wounds characteristic. Yep. Yeah, wounds characteristics, not wounds remaining. Not you can't you can't tit for tat somebody down to like six wounds left on a dreadnought at that instant give it. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like this a lot in a lot of different metas. But I feel like this isn't one you put on your list, is it? This is one that you'll you'll sub out for when you need to with the stratagem, right? I put it in there because I like icing characters, and if I'm taking the uh, transcendent satan, I tend to use the random abilities, and I'm only going to get one power anyway. So most of the time it's going to be mm. easier, but. I mean, like, guard lists, GSC lists, some Eldar lists. This is, like, yeah, horrific. It's not, it's not just for characters, right? If you look at that, you know, if you see, uh, you know, someone, uh, a big, a chunky Gravis person with four wounds mm. and four up and make one of them go away, that that's not bad. It's worth it, absolutely. Um, all right, next one. Wounds. 
right? Next one, uh, Sky Falling Stars. Select up to three enemy units within 24 of this Catan shard. For each of those units, roll 1d6 on a 1 to 5. The dice result is less than the number of models in that unit. That unit suffers d3 mortal wounds. If this Catan shard is a Tesseract Vault, that unit suffers three mortal wounds from this power instead of d3. So there is no big old bonus on a 6. Um, sorry, apologies. Let me read that again. Um, for each of those units, roll 1d6 on a 1 to 5. Um, if the dice result is less than number of models in the unit. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you can do this against so against a unit that is more than six models. Yeah, you just instantly do dear three model Unless wounds, you right? roll a six. Correct. Oh, Unless you roll a six. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, very interesting. I, I quite like this a lot in a lot of metas, especially things like MSU metas, which I feel like that we could be leaning into more and more. And that is a big bubble, three inches and 24 inches. That's going to be quite easy to do on a unit that moves eight inches a turn. Danny, so the two times that I've played with a, with a Satan shard, uh, this is the power that I I took. I really like this one. Um, Skyfall and Stars just gives you a little bit. You do a little bit of splash damage to a bunch of different things, um, but there's a lot of horde in my in my meta, and just getting, you know, probably about six mortal wounds spread across somebody's army is pretty powerful. Um, just every turn with and is, is this actually an argument for basically. this? This is something that makes the Catan shot look very good. The Catan shot just beams out nine mortal wounds every single turn. It just does it, and the the footprint of that model is absolutely gigantic. Uh, so you, I'm not sure if you'd measure it from the hull or measure it from the the base. To be fair, but um, just in saying that, like nine mortal wounds a turn, and then you could probably cast another power. You're starting to talk about Magnus levels of models. I feel like that's something that might put it on the map. Yeah, that's actually the really, really gigantic model. Uh, fair enough. That sounds actually sounds really cool. But Michael, you want to jump to the next one? Cosmic fire. Roll one d six for each enemy unit within nine inches of the satan chart and a four up. If they receive d three mortal wounds, if it's a T vault, they get three mortal wounds instead of the d three. Uh, on a tesseract vault, that's that's great. Just roll that thing up mm. and. And uh, it is a huge bubble, so you're like tag a bunch of units, and if they know it's coming, you can use that to force them uh, to not be together. Which yeah, moves, uh, like moves eighteen, uh, uh, sorry, eight like inches as well. And of course, uh, can you wait? Can you advance and do Katan powers? Yeah, I didn't think you could. Yes, I, I think someone told me you could. No. But anyway, so that one seems pretty cut and dry. So I'll jump on the next one. I'll get Danny to do the last. Uh, so this is seismic assault. Select one enemy unit within 18 inches of invisible to this Catan shard. Roll 1d6 for each model in that unit, adding one if it is a Tesseract Vault. For each 6+, plus, the, uh, the unit suffers one mortal wound to a maximum of 10. I wish it didn't say the maximum of 10, but admittedly, it is very unlikely you're going to roll. You got, because at most, you're going to be rolling 30 dice, right? And it's very unlikely you're going to get more than 10 sixes on 30 dice. But, you know, maybe you get that 11th. Sorry? That's true. Actually, that is that is true. You actually odds, you are odds on to get likely. ten. Um, so everyone you get past that actually feels pretty bad. Yeah, that's also going to be Although a thing, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, if, you, if you're playing the test ride, you're going to be like, ah, oh, just just auto killed ten guys from that unit. That's pretty. That's pretty nice. Well, and then that those the uh, last Tesla ones. Yeah, this is making a little bit of it. I mean, just, we'll have to look at some points and things. We'll talk to Tesseract Vault maybe a little bit later. But uh, this stuff looks pretty appealing. But even on a regular uh, Catan, this is this is a lot of mortal wound dealing abilities. This is this is this eclipses anything a Demon Prince can do, which is the last comparison we used to have. We used to be like, ah, oh, Catan is just a, a way more expensive Demon Prince because they'd get off like one smite and then they'd punch good. Um, but the Demon Prince was a lot cheaper and more flexible with the fly and um, the other things you could put on it. But man, this is making interesting case but danny tell us about the last one 
Okay, so we've got Transdimensional Thunderbolt. Um, so this is select one enemy unit within 24 inches and visible to the Satan Shard. An enemy character unit with a wounds characteristic of nine or less cannot be selected for this power wall as within three inches of another enemy unit unless that character unit is the closest visible mm. enemy unit. So basically they get lookout, sir. Um, <clears throat> roll a D6. On a two plus, that unit takes D3 mortal wounds. Then roll one D6 for each other enemy unit within three inches of the selected unit. On a four plus, they take one mortal wound. Uh, if a, if the Satan Shard is a Tesseract Vault, uh, roll for each other enemy unit within six inches instead of three inches. Uh, yeah. It's situationally interesting. I think it's, like, again, like, it's it's better on the Tesseract because you get the, the bigger blast. Note that I don't think you have to be successful on the roll of a two plus in order to roll for everything within six or within three or six inches. Yeah. Um, that is the case. So uh, I think it's one of the weaker powers, but it's 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 situational. Mm, I feel like this, pretty, this is one you, you'd pay the CP for it when you need it, but you wouldn't write it on your list, right? Mm. All right, jumping yep. over, we've got three I, unique I agree, 10 agree. powers, then we'll talk about the whole bunch. But this first one is for the Deceiver. This is Cosmic Insanity. Select one enemy unit within 12 of Invisible to this Catan Shard. Roll 1d6 and add the uh, Catan Shard's leadership characteristic to the result. Your opponent then rolls 1d6 and adds their leadership characteristic. If the selected unit yeah, yeah. If the enemy unit suffers one, sorry, the enemy that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound for each point at which your total exceeds your opponent's. Sorry, I butchered that. So you're like a Tanshard, you add your leadership and roll a d6, and then your opponent does the same thing for each point you exceed theirs. They take a mortal. This is this is the uh, this one has been done to death. Most most books uh, in eighth edition had a version of this power, and virtually no one took it. So I'm not not quite sure anything's going to change here because I feel like this is a much weaker version of most of the other ones we've talked about. Michael? Uh, yeah, still weak. Uh, might have a little bit of synergy. If you're going for that uh, minus to leadership trick, if you have flayed ones, uh, let's say, again, this requires flayed ones and a bunch of moving parts, so it's bad. But if you're if you're rolling deep on that uh, hitting their leadership, the flayed ones do scrub two off of leadership, uh, uh, off leadership if they're in engagement range, I believe I think it it's three inches. I think I got three. <laughs> or is it three? Uh, yeah, three inches. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is two and three. It's within three inches. Yeah. Well, you you could get some flayed ones nearby, and then you know try to uh, to get this power off as well as that that earlier um, cryptic ability as well off something that has a minus two. So you have a pretty good shot at actually doing the wounds. I think it's too many moving pieces. And yeah, I agree. Uh, now, Michael, stick with this. Go into the next one for us. Give us the, the Nightbringer. Yeah. Shard of the Nightbringer, Gaze of Death. Select one enemy unit within nine inches, invisible to the Satan Shard. Roll three D6s on a four up. The unit suffers D3 for each four up. The unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. This is a vastly improved, uh, I believe it was like Infernal Gaze from Chaos, yeah. uh, where that one was a, a mortal wound on every four up. This one is D3 per. That is that's that's fairly heinous. Like doing two D three on average feels pretty good. This also has no targeting restrictions. Yeah, the terms and conditions are Just all visible. pretty nine as good as you could hope. I mean, nine inches is the only relative restriction here, but man, this is this is almost like one of the best ones, isn't it? It's it's great. Fair enough. So Danny, tell us about the last one. Tell us about the Void Dragons. Okay, so we got Voltaic Storm. Select one enemy unit within 18 inches invisible to the Satan Shard. Uh, Lookout Sir does apply to this for targeting restrictions. 
Uh, roll 1d6 on a 2+, plus. that unit takes d3 mortal wounds. It suffers d6 mortal wounds instead of it has the vehicle keyword. And until your next turn, if that vehicle, uh, if it is a vehicle whose characteristics change as it loses wounds, it halves the number of wounds it has remaining when determining what characteristics to use. So it's like a reverse Hawk Shroud or yeah. Valhallen, uh, you know, uh, trait. Um, <laughs> so you can really kind of nu- you can really kind of nuke a vehicle with it. And D6 mortals on a vehicle is pretty solid. Um, but again, pretty situational. It's on a two plus for D3. Um, but on a vehicle for D6 mortals, uh, yeah, I feel like this is a medical whether you write this on your list or not. Or, or, or beer, yeah, this is the one you well, he has to. Oh, oh really? I didn't know that the, actually. I thought you could speak to shards, have this or not, but fair enough. Skills. Well, that actually, sorry, yeah. Um, but I thought the void, void dragon, dragon could choose not to have this and have one of the other ones instead, but never mind. No, fair enough. It's his thing, so he gets, he gets oh, of course, one, and he gets one from pro- the list, that must be and he can about. use two per um, phase. So yeah, what do you guys think about the, the powers of attention? Man, it is night and day from where they were last edition to this edition. These things seem fleshed out. They seem potent. They even seem like they actually seem crazy strong. I mean, if you could you, you think about what people could have done last edition if they had these, and say they you could take four Katan shards. You know, I mean, you can only take one per detachment right now, but you can take three Katan shards and you just have it behind a a metal wall of warriors and whatnots that just won't die, and you're just putting out you know, 20 mortals a turn, which is not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, that is reaching a little bit, but depending on your opponent, that is actually a legitimate thing you can say. Now, before that, you were lucky if you put out two smites a turn, right? That's it's phenomenal. I think they're really strong. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and anything guys you want to say about the Tam powers, Michael? Vastly improved, and uh, they really needed it. Danny, what are your go-tos? Like, which which ones? You, you said uh, Anti-Matter Media. What were the other ones? Uh, yeah, I think Animated Media is really good. Uh, I quite like uh, Sky Falling Stars um, and the Nightbringer one. If I'm going to take a Satan Shard, usually I'm taking the Nightbringer. Nah, totally fair enough. Now, Michael, we'll, we'll touch on the Satans probably a little bit later, but you're a big fan of the Transcendent. Which ones would you pick on him? Yeah, I, I tend to go Meteor and Arrow um, because I think that they're going to see the most general use. I do like Sky Falling Stars. I think Cosmic Fire is better on the Vault just due to the bubble size. Uh, seismic mm-hmm. is really army dependent. It hurts against elite armies, um, but if they have a lot of models and something, maybe you can get some mileage out of it. And T- uh, Thunderbolt used to be one of the stronger powers, and now it's one of the weaker ones. So yeah, um, yeah, not very very well said. So yeah, what to get excited about with the Catan power, especially with all the Catans looking a lot better than they they kind of ever have. But uh, jumping over to the chapter of Prude Rule, so they, you've been given three secondaries in which to choose from: one No Mercy, one Supremacy, and one Shadow Operations. Now the first one here is uh, Code of Combat. So this is an end game objective. Um, score three victory points at the end of the battle for each enemy unit that was destroyed by a Necron's noble unit from your army. I automatically hate this. Uh, is there any reason why I shouldn't think that this is really awful, Danny? It's cool if you take the Silent King. Literally, that's it. Yeah. Uh, is there any other any other thing that's ever going to get more than like three points out of it? Maybe if you have like a super crazy cat, you know, Catacomb Command Barge build. But otherwise, yeah, I agree. This is like the worst of all of them. Mm. Yeah. Um, Michael. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I'll stick with you, Michael. Tell us about the next one. Yep. Uh, Battlefield supremacy. Purge the vermin. Progressive objective, score two victory points at the end of your turn for each table quarter that does not have any enemy units, excluding aircraft, wholly within it. This objective cannot be scored in the first battle round. Oh, I actually uh, don't mind it. It's okay. I don't 
I don't like taking uh, secondary objectives that my opponent gets to dictate whether I score them for the most part. That's very true. Yeah. So I love this one. I take it almost every game. <laughs> it's reverse. So since I play a very defensive army and I kind of try and clog up the middle of the board with a bunch of stuff, if my opponent can get into the into the back two table quarters, like that's that's bad for me. But otherwise, I've been scoring four points a turn on this, like almost every game. Remember that it's at the end of your turn, so you have a chance to blast any unit that they've dropped back there. True. Um, mm. And uh, they have to be wholly within, so they can't just be toe-in on your on your table quarters. Yeah, you, um, make, you make a really good case. That's, that's all great points, to be honest. Um, damn, no, actually, that looks, really, that looks a lot better. When you look at it, it's just like, hey, I might, I'm probably going to get a safe four points a turn. That's better than the vast majority of... Of uh, secondaries out there, um, I was I was wrong in saying that they only got three. They actually got four, and, and the, the four the next one is uh, Treasure of Eons, which is another progressive um, objective. If you selected this secondary objective, then after both sides have finished deploying, your uh, your opponent selects three objective markers on the battlefield. Score a number of fifty points at the end of your turn if you control one or more of those objective markers, as shown below. Number of objective markers you control: one is two points, two is three points, and three is five points. Um, so. This is weird. When do you actually score the points of this? Uh, so it's at the end. Uh, sorry, it's at the end of whose turn? At the, uh, sorry, at the end of your, your turn. turn. Apologies. Actually, that's that's not the worst thing in the world, but it's going to be very difficult. Simply because your opponent gets to, to dictate the terms. Because of course they're going to pick the ones that are safest for them to hold. So I think this is almost a bit of an arrogant pick. You're saying to your opponent, "Hey, mate, point at the three objectives you want to hold, and I'm definitely going to take those off you. You're going to get messed up, brother. I'm going to be all over your deployment zone." Exactly what you're saying. Um, but Michael, maybe tell me I'm wrong. No, that feels accurate. Fair enough. I'll stick with you, Michael. You'll tell us about the last one. Yeah, this is the big one. Uh, Ancient Machineries for Shadow Operations. Progressive. If you've selected the secondary objective, then after both sides have finished deploying, starting with your opponent, the players alternate selecting objective markers that are not within any player's deployment zone to be Ancient Machinery objective markers until three objective markers have been selected. If there is only one such objective marker, then only that objective marker is an Ancient Machinery objective marker. If only there were an easier way to say that. Of course. Necron's core or Necron's canoptic units from your army can attempt the following action. They can try to awaken ancient machinery. At the end of your movement phase, one or more Necron's core or Necron's canoptic units from your army can start to perform this action. Each unit from your army that starts to perform this action must be in range of a different ancient machinery objective marker. A unit cannot start this action if there are any enemy units, excluding aircraft, in range of the same objective marker. This action is completed at the end of your next command phase, provided the unit attempting that action is still within range of that ancient uh, machinery objective marker. Score three victory points each time a unit from your army completes the Awaken Ancient Machinery action. Wowie. What a tome they wrote for that <laughs> objective. Yeah, a um, page of text. It's insane. But is it any good, Michael? Uh, I don't like that you have to set it up and you give your opponent a chance to uh, literally deny you by moving something nearby. Mm-hmm. That feels probably feels bad. I do like that core and canaptic can do it since canaptic uh, scarabs could you know run over and and try to awaken the beast. Um, this feels like a lot of moving parts, um, and there are just easier to score secondaries. Like in my opinion, tend to agree, Danny. So I have played with this one several times um, <laughs> to be the voice of dissension. Uh, so I think it's okay. Uh, as Michael mentioned, Scarab Swarms being able to perform this 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 action is extremely good. 
And keep in mind that you're going to alternate objectives. So on a mission with a limited number of objectives, I think it's not bad. Um, uh, just because your opponent is going to get to pick two of them and you're going to get to pick one. So if you can keep an objective that uh, in your own deployment zone and you can put a unit on there that's pretty tough, i.e. like nine scarab swarms or a big unit of wraiths or something like that, and they can just kind of hang out there and complete this action every turn. I mean, you're going to get 12 points out of it. And if you can get to the, you know, the mid table or on one of the ones that your opponent selects, um, that's just extra things. That's those are just extra points that you can potentially get. So hmm. I, if they can kill all, like if they're going to kill like nine scarab swarms that are hanging out in your deployment zone, great. Then they're not concentrating on the mid board or the other stuff that you have in your army. Um, so I think for like a, like a super board control army, I think this is better than like raise the banners, um, or something like that. It just gives you another option that you can select. Yeah. So you do know this has to be outside your deployment zone. Yeah. Oh, does it? Did I miss that? Yeah. Um, oh, then I suppose I see. Okay, you're deploying right, you're starting right. with your opponents. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You mean, you mean something just, every, just outside yeah, yeah, your deployment yeah. zone, something very close to home. There, there's not yeah. a ton um, of, which is what I thought you were... there's not a ton of missions that have, uh, objectives that are actually within your deployment zone. I mean, there's some that do, but yeah. like there's a lot of them that have them like just outside, like a couple of inches. Just like outside. That, yeah. Exactly right. I'm so the more, the more Michael read there, the more I disliked it. But when I got to the end and did a little review, the terms and conditions are quite good. The fact that you can do this on the same objective more than once, you don't have to completely move around through all the objectives in no man's land and do them all once or some cra crazy crap like that. The fact that you can do the action upon them and then be removed and your opponent can get, come and own that objective and then the start of your next command phase, you still get the points. Um, is quite good. That's a very good term and condition for, for an action involving secondary of an ilk of scramblers. It is it is scramblers, but just on an objective. Um, and you will get three points for each one done. So I feel like if you're just able to do this three times, that's already probably enough to put it in consideration. Um, but this is mission specific. I mean, if the mission, if there is only like two objectives in no man's right. land, it does make it very easy for your opponent to keep uh, some some pity little obsec on it or something very frustrating within range of contesting it and taking you off very quickly. But the fact that you can run on, you can clear them, run onto it and do this action and then be removed and still get the points, I think that in itself makes it appealing. I'm not sure if it makes it good though. I think the, the proof will be in the pudding there. Um, I'll have to see it played or play against somebody doing it before I, I think I'm sold. But as far as those goes, I mean, we know what the Space Marine ones were. Um, there was one out of three of those that was even worth talking about. The other two were quite trash. Here, I think, yeah, Purge the Vermin and Ancient Machineries both might be in consideration. And considering they're both in different um, kind of uh, secondary slots, it might be something that are worth talking about. But gentlemen, um, we're going to take this opportunity to take a break. We're gonna. We've we've covered all the content in this bar. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. Apologies, apologies. We've got one more thing to talk about, and one more very important thing to talk about. Everybody, page eighty. We're talking about reanimation protocols. We have skirted the uh, the uh, the subject for long enough. It's time to tell the people what the hell this thing does. Now, Michael is. I feel like is our best reader here. Oh, would you like to take? Would you like to take on this job? You, you can hand pass it. Uh, each time an enemy unit shoots or fights after it makes its attacks, if any models in this unit were destroyed as a result of those attacks, but this unit was not destroyed, then this unit's reanimation protocols are enacted, and those destroyed models begin to reassemble. Each time a unit's reanimation protocols are enacted, make reanimation protocol rolls for that unit by rolling a number of d6 equal to the combined wounds characteristics of all the reassembling models. Each reanimation protocol roll of a 5-up, five 5-plus, five is put into a pool, a reanimation protocol role can never be modified by more than a minus one or a plus one. 
If the number of the dice in the pool is greater than or equal to the number to the wounds characteristic of any of the reassembling models, select one of those models to be reanimated. A reanimated model has one of the has the following conditions or this list uh, is added back to the unit with its full wounds remaining. Can only be set up with an engagement range of enemy units that are already engagement range within engagement range of reanimated models unit. Cannot, if it is your charge phase, be set up any closer to any enemy units that are targets of a charge declared by its unit this phase. What a sentence. No longer counts as having been destroyed for the purposes of morale test this turn. You then reduce the number of dice in that pool by a number equal to the wounds characteristic of the reanimated model and repeat this process until either there are no more reassembling models or the number of dice remaining in the pool is less than the wounds characteristic of any of the reassembling models. Any models that do not reanimate fail to reassemble, and any dice remaining in the pool are discarded. Are you now, Michael? That was very well done. But are you able to give people at home a TLDR version of that? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. The 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 long and the short is it, this is better the less wounds you have. What happens is, let's say that you have a unit of ten Necron warriors, and you fire your mighty bolters into them, and you fell four of them. When that unit is done with all of its attacks against that model or against that unit, uh, that Necron player then picks up, looks at the wounds characteristics of the models that were lost, which in this case would be four wounds from the four dead single wound models, and would roll four dice. And for every five up, uh, as long as they meet the condition, the four conditions that I read off in there from that list, uh, they can uh, set those units back up and the remainder are gone. Very well said. Um, and yeah, I think you could describe that perfectly. Now, heading over to Danny. Reanimation protocols in the last edition were an absolute joke. They were such an irrelevance, I don't even truly remember what they did. Um, apart from they did, they sometimes maybe like two guys would come back at the start of a phase if I did a bad job of wiping out their unit. Um, it, was, it, it seems like all the power was in the opponent's hand and they got to just deny you from using that whenever they liked. This now seems like a very elegant change, if, if wordy, as all get out. So what are your thoughts here, Danny? Do you like it? Um, <clears throat> okay. So I was able to effectively use it sometimes um, if my opponent made bad targeting priority decisions. This just means, and I think Michael alluded the, to this during part one, and I thought it was very well put. Um, it makes the math weird. <laughs> so it's, it's yep. hard to effectively know how much firepower you're going to have to put into a Necron unit to really knock it down because randomly, sometimes more models than you thought were going to die actually don't. Um, and they come back and they come back in weird ways. Uh, they just have to come back in coherency. Um, so there's a lot of little micro movements that you can make with this, uh, that make it an extremely powerful ability. Yeah, I agree. I think this is in the realms of the protocols. The protocols seem to be like there's a bit of a skill check there. Like you, the, the better you are at the game and the more the more savvy you are with Necrons, the more power you will get out of protocols. This seems like it's a bit of an open book as well, as in the better you get with, with Necrons, the better able you'll be to, to leverage Rian into doing something really powerful, e.g. taking taking yourself uh, off an objective if it's about to be charged or putting yourself onto an objective, putting another couple of monitors on there to offset your opponent, things of that ilk of that nature. Um, Michael, give us your thoughts as well, mate. Yeah, so obviously the old uh, reanimation was horrible. Uh, the best value target uh, in the old codex for those were destroyers, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because they were multi-wound models. They came back with full wounds, 
And you could, you often had a cryptech nearby to help enhance that because that's what you veiled them to go, uh, to go ruin people's lives with when you were cruise missile, using them in a cruise missile way. So that was the, that was the big ad. Uh, conversely, the new reanimation now, if you have lots of wounds, it's way worse. But there are some bizarre uh, circumstances, like even not taking into account the li- albeit limited access to the plus one that you can get on this roll, uh, you can you can do a situation. It's a situation where let's say you had those three uh, canaptic spiders, which are what, five wound models, six. right? Yep. It's it's or six. six. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually want if you have a unit of three, you actually want to lose two. Losing one's yep. bad. Losing two, you might get one back. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's actually really true. Shit. The math is better for that. So, like, on these, uh, it, it forces you to do some pretty strange things. Like, if you're looking at Scorpec uh, destroyers, your head might go, oh, having more of them is better, taking into account Blast, of course, because once you move past that five into six, Blast becomes more interesting. But, if you know, that's one consideration. But... Uh, as you're losing them, you actually want to lose a little bit more in the hopes that one comes back because if they nickel and dime you on those big wound models, you're never going to get anything back. Yeah. So there, just just like there was an old reanimation, there is a, there is ways for your opponents to solve it. But in the same sentence, in the same breath, there's also ways for you as a necron player to jank it and to to make it a lot more interesting and a lot more crazy. And of course, there's a lot there's a lot of ways to buff it. The the best thing, uh, sorry, the best being the um. The Orb of Eternity, where you just get to roll for everything that's dead. There's anything that is dead, you just get to roll for. It doesn't matter if it was killed this phase, last phase, whatever. Yeah, with that plus one, that's huge. Mm. So, with so I'm I'm coming this as I didn't play Necrons. I got a small Necron force, which I'm probably going to sell at some stage. But I'm coming this as an opponent. And the first the, the first two things I picked up was exactly what Michael said that you're better off nickel and diming. Seeing as, as at the end of every every phase, like if I have a if this was an last edition, yeah, and I had a unit of Dev Centurion, Centurion Devastators, yeah? You wouldn't put the whole squad of, of Dev Sense into the same thing. You would try and like, okay, I'm going to, this squad's Hurricanes are going to kill two Scarabs from this unit because you're unlikely to get one back or one and a half or whatnot. Um, you're going to do the same thing against the Spiders, the same thing against the other ones. And it's almost the inverse of what we used to do because in, in days have gone by in last edition, like if you shoot one shot at a Necron unit, you shoot all your shots at a Necron unit and you don't stop until it's gone. And now it is you chip, 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 smash chip 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 smash it's like you kill it kill it kill it to a stage in which you can comfortably kill it dead and then you kill it dead which is actually makes it a lot more interesting but the way i'm starting to think about it in my head is because it's at the end of every phase when i sorry and every instance of shooting not at the at the the phase or the turn um i start i'm starting to uh try and account one third more shots or attacks to kill a unit than I would have before, especially if I think I'm going to be using multiple units. Would that be a fair metric for people at home to try and kind of put their heads around? To me, yes. Yeah. Danny, what do you think? One third more. Does that sound yeah. about right for how people should start trying to allocate into I think mathematically that probably works out, but it really depends on which kind of a unit is. You, you may not have to do that if you're targeting multi-wound units. That's very true as well. Because just, just and that nickel and dime and then smash... Uh, philosophy i just sprouted does that make any totally sense? that's that's absolutely the weakness of reanimation protocols you have you've have, you've stated like mm. that that is the way to get around it for sure yeah and it, it seems to be an obvious weakness but it's because of the 
I suppose the enhanced durability of things like spiders, like um, a lot of stuff. And of course, you can still give involuns here, there, everywhere. Light cover is something that's very easy to come by, not only because of the density of terrain, but also because of the protocols. There seems to be a lot of ways for the Necron player to influence and screw with your opponent's ability to do those things. Would that be safe to say, Michael? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so it's not it's not just like last edition where the, all the agency was in your opponent's hands. And of course, we're talking about you just get to roll the dice after every instance of shooting. That is just such a fundamental buff. I can't get over how how, how big that is, and the spikes that can occur on those things um, can just exactly just you can just win. A, you have one instance where somebody shoot into shot into Corpec, Scorpec destroyers. They underkilled it slightly. They thought they were going to kill the whole unit. They left one point one and a half remaining, and you get three back. And all of a sudden, that is the difference in a game, and the game it was won or lost because of that roll. Things like that. Um, just being a freaking option for Necrons now seems exciting, seems fun, seems thematic. Um, but gentlemen, that is brings us to where I thought we were going to be 10 minutes ago. But that brings us to everything to talk about in this book, bar the actual units themselves, bar the data sheets. So how are you guys feeling so far? How are you, how are you feeling about uh, how we're doing? I feel like this book is really exciting. But Danny, uh, where is the strength so far? Is it in the codes? Is it in the relics? Is it in the wall of traits? Is it in the Catan powers? So. <clears throat> I think it's a so that the qu- answer to that question uh, depends on how you're building your army list, which may which is a really great feature of this book. So there's a lot of different builds available, and depending on what you want to focus on, I think that dictates what the strength is. I think you can there's multiple strengths to this book. Like Satan powers are great, reanimation protocols are great, uh, the dynastic codes are great, mm-hmm. the relics are great. Like everything is pretty good. Like there's nothing there's nothing bad in this book. Like no units are real stinkers like yeah there's some bad warlord traits and and relics and things like that but overall mm. they have a strong selection of different options that let you really build the army the way that you want to uh michael and i have been tra- have been trading lists mostly it's been one way michael has been sending me stuff um because i haven't <laughs> I haven't had time as much lately to build a bunch of lists um but uh i think that uh Man, there are so many good options in this book that you can that you can really mm-hmm. utilize and leverage to make a very good army. Okay, and Michael, we're about to come back with the data sheets to and, and try to discuss them and and deep dive into the different changes there. But what's one of the give us one of the data sheets that people could be excited for us to talk about when they come back? Yeah, uh, I think personally, I think the the combina- the, the following two units uh, having been improved in the ways they were, which are warriors and scarabs. Uh, they they were improved in ways where they almost outshine their their uh, contemporaries in the same job or same slot. Mm. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, considering those are iconic units for the Codex, and they have brand new models. Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a quick ad break, guys, and uh, join us back on the other side, and we're going to deep dive some of these data sheets. See you then. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. And we are back, guys. Still got Danny. Still got Michael. Welcome back, gents. We are here to talk about some of the data sheets in this book. Now, 
as with um, Space Marines, we don't have the time to go through this. Uh, and and like Space Marines, this is legitimately like a, this is a new book. This is almost a new faction. You could almost say this is a brand new faction called Necrons because they have very few parallels compared to what they had before. Um, the whole faction raise has been inc- increased by about fifty percent, and we're going to focus on the new stuff, all the things that all the units have, that have had fundamental rewrites to their data sheet. Now, the first one of these, um, uh, sorry, just just to encapsulate the whole process before we jump straight in, we're going to talk about all the brand new stuff, all the brand new ones, ones that had fundamental changes, and then both Danny and Michael have picked out three of the ones um, from last edition, essentially, that have not changed, that they think have fundamentally changed in the way you will play them, the way they function on the tabletop, or the way they function with this new book. So we'll jump into those at the end, but the first one that I've come across is uh, Illuminor Cesaris, who got that amazing new model. Either of you guys buy it? I have uh, yep, yep, I painted mine up. He looks great. It's freaking amazing and um, enormous compared to the last one. But the the stat line reads as such. Uh, movement 8, weapon skill with skill 3+, plus, strength and toughness 6, 7 wounds, 4 attacks, leadership 10, and 3 plus save. Is equipped with an Eldritch Lance, which uh, the shooting profile is range 36, assault D3, strength 8 and minus 4, D6 damage. And the melee profile is uh, strength user minus 4, 2 damage. It's also got impaling legs, uh, which you can make two additional attacks at strength user minus two, one damage. There's a lot of special rules here. and I'll just quickly jump over them all completely and then get your thoughts, gentlemen. But he's got living metal and command protocols, uh, rights of reanimation. Reanimation in your command phase, you can select one friendly Necron's core unit within six of this model. One destroyed model from that unit is reanimated. If the selected unit is a Necron warrior, you get D3 instead. Um, he's got an aura, which is Empiric Overcharger, whilst an enemy Psycho unit was in 12 this model. Each time a Psychic test is taken for that unit, it suffers the perils of the warp on any dice that includes a double instead of double ones or double sixes. It also has Atomic Energy Manipulator in the fight phase. This model always... Sorry, this model destroys one or more enemy models. Then at the end of your phase, it can use its mechanical augmentation ability as if it were the end of your movement phase. And that ability reads as such. At the end of your movement phase, you can select one friendly Necron's core unit within six of this model if you do roll 1d3 and consult the table below. Uh, On a one, until the end of the battle, add one to the strength of that unit. Uh, number two is uh, until the end of the battle, add one to the toughness, and number three is plus one ballistic skill, which I believe is exactly the same as it was last edition, and it can only be selected. Each unit can only be selected once per battle. Lastly, because uh, or it didn't have enough special rules, this one is called Illuminor. This new model can use its right of reanimation ability one additional time per turn. So you can res two models or two D three Necron warriors instead of just the one. But um, I believe it can't be. Uh, it, can, it has to be on different models. It has to be on different units. So guys, Michael Cesaris. What do you think, mate, about the big old gangly Spider-Man? I think if you're rolling deep in core, there's a str- and you don't need, or if you're taking out the Cryptex, or you don't need the Arcana, or whatever, uh, this is not a bad guy to have. The buffs to the core units are strong. He's decent in combat. He's got a fun little shooting attack. I actually like it quite a bit. I think he's, I think he's pretty powerful if you've got those big blobs. Um, they're not mad about those results at all and because while he does not benefit from dynastic traits or protocols he that also means he's agnostic to what dyna, uh, dynasty you end up taking mm-hmm. so yep. if you're going novak like i think novak is one that uh is happy with like having 20 warriors are happy with any result again because you want them in combat anyway so yeah yeah actually very very true yeah novak worries or um 
Nerfwalker Lich Guard, with the exception of the three on the, the, the plus on Ballista Skill, there's two of those options that are extremely good on Lich Guard. But uh, Danny, do you like Caesarius? What do you think of him? Uh, yeah, I've been taking him a couple of times. Um, I've taken him uh, typically when I'm taking a lot of Warriors, um, so those buffs that he gives out are, are pretty handy to have. Um, getting plus one Toughness or plus one Ballistic Skill on Warriors is great, or getting even plus one Strength is, is, is fine too. Um, note that you can buff that with a plus one Strength from the Stratagem Disruption field, so they can go to Strength 6. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of interesting, wow. especially when there's a lot of toughness uh, five models out there. Um, and his shooting weapon is pretty good. Like D6 damage on a character that can't be targeted is pretty fun. Well, you think about it. So we talk about the, the DDAs and the the Doomstalkers. They're having they've got a similar profile weapon. Um, but they're I think they're high strength though, but they're still uh, a very high AP and D6 damage. And this guy's got D3 shots as well. He's essentially functioning as a baby like Doom um, Doomsday Arc. Yeah, yeah. But he's untargetable and also. Is pretty pretty good in combat. So jumping over, uh, Danny, do you want to read out the Royal, Royal Warden? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so the Royal Warden uh, is movement six, um, weapon skill, ballistic skill three plus, strength and toughness five, four wounds, three attacks, leadership ten, and a three plus armor save. Um, he has one weapon, the Relic Goss Blaster, which is a thirty inch range rapid fire two, strength five, minus two AP, and two flat damage. Uh, for abilities, he is living metal and command protocols. Uh, his uh, other abilities are adaptive strategy. In your command phase, you can select one friendly dynasty core unit within nine inches of this model. Until the end of the turn, if that that unit is eligible to shoot and declare charge in a, in uh, <clears throat> within a turn in which they fell back. And then he also has the relentless march aura uh, and a lot of other uh, all the other or like the Necron Lord and the Necron Overlord also have this aura. Um, while a friendly Dynasty Core unit is within six inches of this model, each time that model is selected to make a normal move or advance, until the end of the phase, add one to the move characteristic of models in that unit. Nice. It seems like a decent little package there, and it's giving something you can't get anywhere else. Are you a big fan of this model? Um, I've taken him quite a bit. I, I have not taken him. I, I took him in his previous incarnation uh, when he came out with the Indominus set, um, but I haven't taken mm-hmm. him yet with the new book. Um, he did get a nice buff in that he gained uh, the... Uh, relentless march aura um, which is pretty nice uh, his gun is great um, it just does a ton of damage and is uh, uh he gets four shots with it at close range um yeah i i mean i like him pretty good if you're not filling up on a lot of uh cryptex i think he's another really great choice he gives you a lot of flexibility no, i i agree there i think he's, pre- he's pretty well rounded as well i wish he did have a melee i wish he had a melee weapon just like a, a, a rend one knife so you'd yeah. have three strength five minus one attacks but you can't have everything but um Michael, jumping over to the Scorepeck Lord, I feel like you—I feel like you've mentioned the Scorepeck Lord more than others. So I've arranged it so you'll tell us a little bit about him. So yeah. feel free to jump in when you're ready. One thing about the Royal Warden, I—I I wish that guy had the Noble keyword. Oh, he doesn't, does he? Wow, yeah, yeah that that's a big nice. deal because there's a bunch of buffs he can't—he can't get, can't give a bunch of relics. He can't doesn't have any option for that trigger protocols, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. But that's a little pet peeve. Um, I understand that he's probably not royalty or whatever, but that—that's just interesting. If well, he had got, the Noble got, keyword. I would take him over an overlord, probably. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, but look, he's got royal in his freaking name. What more noble do you need, guys? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us about the Scorpic Lord, Michael. Yeah, he is movement eight, weapon skill, ballistic skill two, strength six, strength and toughness, and wounds of six, four attacks, a leadership ten, and a three up armor save. It has the Admitic Annihilator, an 18-inch range, Assault 2d3, Strength 6, minus 1, 1 damage, Blast Weapon. It has a Flensing Claw, which is Strength User, minus 1 AP and 1 damage, and every attack is 2 attacks, so that's kind of cool. Or the Hyperphase Harvester, which is plus 2 
uh, minus four AP and three flat damage with a minus one to hit. It has living metal command protocols. It is united in destruction, which is an aura. Uh, friendly dinosaur dynasty destroyer cult units within six. Uh, reroll their wound rolls of one. It is a a uh, destroyer cult model, so it already rerolls its hit rolls of one and has a four up invulnerable save. It also is not a noble. It, for the looking for that, it is infantry. Uh, I like this guy quite a bit. Uh, obviously, leaning into a melee oriented uh, build. Mm-hmm. It, if you had something with Novak, uh, this guy can run on in there. And if you were flensing claw, just just as an example. You could uh, swing out with sixteen attacks in a in a fight phase, which is not wow. Well. Yeah, um, I mean it, that's you know a little bit of horde clear, I suppose. Um, I think I like it the most because it I like it a lot because it's fast and it's tough. And if you're mm-hmm. already going to be using destroyer cult units, it does have that buff. The big downsides are it's not a noble, so it can't give orders. It's not uh, making protocols happen for you. So that is that is kind of a downer. Also, no, totally fair enough. You have a relic weapon that can be replaced, which is also a downer as well. Mm. So you could really only give you can't give this guy any relic weapons, can you? There's nothing to replace any of his no any of his stuff. No, no, that's fair enough. So he seems like he's a better caddy for a warlord trait than he is a relic. Yeah, uh, correct. Unless you wanted to give uh, give it the uh, like living metal improvement. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Or if it's Nihilek, you could give it the plus one save and six up feel no pain. Yeah, that is legit, actually. <laughs> it's going to get into a 2-plus save and a 6-up feeling of pain. Very, very good. Um, jumping over now, we're going to talk about the four different brand-new uh, flavors of Cryptech, that being the Techno, Chrono, Psycho, and Plasmancers, respectively. Uh, I'll jump on the first one and get your thoughts on it. So this one's a Technomancer. They've all got the same. I'm just going to go out on a limb and just quickly look. They've all got exactly the same stat line. I'll read it out once. We don't need to read it out again. Um, strength, so movement five, weapon skill, physical three plus, strength and toughness four, four wounds, one attack, leadership 10, four plus save. This one is equipped with, so this Technomancer is equipped with the Staff of Light, which is 18 inch assault three, strength five, minus two, one damage, and uh, strength user minus two, one damage in combat. It can have a um, other war gear is a Canoptic Cloak. Um, and sorry, I just read that first. This model can be equipped with one of the following Canoptic Cloak or Canoptic Control Node. The cloak is the bearer has a movement characteristic of 10 instead of 5, gains the fly keyword. In addition, at the end of your movement phase, you can pair one friendly dynasty model within three of this model. That model regains D3 lost wounds. It can be repaired once per turn. Uh, the Control Node is uh, has the following ability added to its data sheet. This has an aura. Um, when a friendly dynasty Canoptic unit was in six of this model, each time that model in the unit makes an attack, add one to the attack's hit roll. So that is pretty saucy straight off the bat. And rounding it out, we have uh, Living Metal Command Protocols, uh, Dynastic Advisors, first of the special rules. Um, if your army is Battleforged, then for each Cryptech uh, unit, excluding Dynastic Agent units in, included in a detachment, that unit can... Sorry. And that also contains at least one Noble unit. A second Cryptech, excluding Dynastic Agents, can be included in the attachment without taking up any Battlefield roles. I believe that is the same for all the Cryptechs, so we don't need to read that one out either. This one has Rites of Reanimation as its last um, special rule. In your command phase, you can select one friendly Dynasty Core unit within six of this model. One friendly model from that unit is reanimated. If a selected unit is a Necromorans unit, they get D3 instead, as is the same as was for Caesaris. Um so, Danny, I believe I've heard you say you like the Technomancer with the control node. That's the one you have sitting at the back with your Doomstalkers? Yeah, you, so depending on whether or not I take a close combat Canoptic unit, um, like Wraiths or Spiders, um, I might have two with the Canoptic control nodes. 
Um, I haven't actually run one with a cloak yet, but I think there's definitely some play there depending on um, what else is in your army. Like if you have like, uh, for instance, some super heavy vehicles or something or vehicles in general or monsters that you would like to be repaired. I think the Canoptic Cloak is pretty decent for them, too. Plus, Mm. he also can bring back some warrior models as well, which is pretty nice. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's, he's a decent all-rounder, depending on how you want to build him, which I, I quite like the idea of. And of course, there is a couple of the um, the Arcano abilities that sit really well in disguise, and a couple that are specific to him. But um, Michael, you want to tell us about the Psychomancer? Unless you've got anything specific on the Technomancer you want to touch on. You guys, you guys covered it. Uh, the Psychomancer's weapons are the Abyssal Lance, which is 18-inch range, Assault 3, Strength 4, minus 3-1 damage, and in melee, it is uh, Strength User, minus 3-1 damage, with its one attack. Um, yeah. It has uh, Living Metal, Command Protocols, and Dynastic Advisors. Harbinger of Despair. In your morale phase, you can select one enemy unit within 12 inches of this model and roll 3d6. If the result is greater than the enemy unit's leadership characteristic, select one of the results opposite to take effect until the start of your next morale phase. Each unit can only be selected with this ability once per phase. So from the following chart, the selected unit cannot perform actions. If it is currently performing an action, it immediately fails. The selected unit uses the objective, loses the objective secured ability. Have advanced rolls and charge rolls made for the selected unit. The selected unit cannot fire overwatch or set to defend. It's not eligible to fight in the fight phase until all other eligible units from your army have done so. Uh, and Nightmare Shroud, which is an aura. Uh, enemy units within six inches of this model subtract one from their leadership characteristic and subtract one from combat attrition tests taken for that unit. Wow, that seems pretty fleshed out. And all the abilities from the Harbinger of Despair are very powerful, but there's some limitations there. What are your thoughts, Michael? Do you like it? I do uh, if you are leaning into this pretty hard because being able to turn off someone's objective secured is really, really powerful. Uh, Mm. You've seen like holding objectives is the key to the thing. Uh, Same thing with those actions that are going through whole rounds. Like if you need them to stop an action to not score points, uh, seems great. The having advance and charge rolls would seem to stack with the piece of war gear, the cryptic arcana that does the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Wow. Yeah. So getting 25% of your advance and charge. Yeah. That's like Jeez. super tangle foot. Like just, no, no, you just are sitting in molasses. You're not going. <laughs> and I don't, I think the weakest one is uh, turning off our watch or set to defend. Although the mm. fighting last is also pretty fun if you wanted to roll something like uh, those Scorpac Destroyers, if you charged into, you know, let's say some Deathwing Terminators, like, or whatever, you know, just making sure that, oh, you know, I don't necessarily want to fight with them first. I want this other weaker unit to get its punches in, but uh, they can't interrupt now. So that's, mm. that's, that feels good. Yeah, I think it does. I think it feels quite good. But yeah, th- like you take this guy and you probably pair him with, you know, a big unit of flayed ones. All of a sudden, they can they can get minus three to their leadership. E.g., on three d six when they're minus three, they can be leadership ten, and you just need to roll, a, you know, an eight, and you're good to go on three d six, which is pretty pretty easy. So yeah, it does, it seems like if you're leading into it, you'll get a hell of a lot of mileage out of this guy. But otherwise, it's it's kind of a bit meh. But yeah. Anyway, um, Danny, you want to read out the chronometer for us? Uh, sure. Um, so the Chronomancer has one stat difference uh, in that he has an 8-inch movement instead of a 5-inch movement, which is kind of a nice sure. little buff. And he also gets fly. Uh, so does the Psychomancer, naturally. Um, the, they all uh, have fly, except for the Technomancer, who only gets it with the Canaptic. Oh, you're correct. You're correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. So the Chronomancer uh, has two different weapon options. Uh, he has an Aeon Stave or an Entropic Lance. 
Uh, the Aeon Stave is 18-inch range Assault D3, Strength 5, minus 2 AP, uh, 1 damage with Blast. Each time an attack is made with this weapon, invulnerable saves cannot be taken. Um, and then it's also Strength User, uh, Strength User minus 2 AP, 1 damage, and again, can't take invulnerable saves. Um, or the Entropic Lance is 18 inches Assault 1, Strength 8, minus 3, uh, D3 plus 3 damage. Um, and in combat, it's a strength user minus three AP, three flat damage. So he also has living metal, command protocols, and dynastic advisors. And then his special rules are the time splinter mantle. So he gets a four plus invulnerable save and the chronometron, probably his best ability, uh, which is in your command phase. You can select uh, one friendly dynasty unit within eight inch, uh, nine inches of this model until the start of your next command phase. You can reroll charge rolls made for that unit and models in that unit have a five plus invulnerable save. Um, so unlike a lot of other abilities in the Necron book, this is not keyed to core, so you can select anything. Um, so putting a five plus invulnerable save on destroyers, um, mm. uh, or, uh, like a monolith or something like that is like kind of, kind of cool. Um, I think he's got a lot of play. Plus he can also, he's the guy who has the ability to have advanced and charge rolls as well, uh, with a piece of, te- uh, Cryptek Arcana. Um, so I think he's a he's a super versatile choice. And if you don't want to take a Technomancer, I think he's really solid. Plus, his shooting attack is actually really good. Like his uh, uh, the Entropic Lance being the Strength 8 minus mm. 3 and D3 plus 3 damage is really solid. Yeah, I, I quite like him. I mean, the Chrono- Chronometron was the, literally what you co- took a Cryptek for last, last uh, edition. And now the fact that you can just use it on them and then they can... They can stuff off and do what they want to do, and they can get real charges on top of the flop as invulnerable save. Um, and that, not being an aura, just be you there. You are harder to kill. Go off and, and go about your business, my good man. Um, it seems pretty nice. Um, so I'll I'll jump on the next one. Unless Michael, you've got anything to mention on the Chronomancer? No, nothing additional to add. I think you take that uh, when you want that five up invuln on something. So mm. yeah, very true. All right, Plasmancer. Um, he has a prismatic lance. Uh, in shooting, it is range 18, assault D3, strength 7, a minus 3, a flat 2 damage. And in melee, it is strength user, minus 3, a 2 damage with its whole one attack, as we found out before. It's just funny. Um, first ability is the Living Lightning. At the start of the fight phase, roll 1d6 for each enemy unit within 6 of this model on a 4 plus. It suffers 1 mortal wound. Next one, Harbor Germ Destruction. At the end of your movement phase, if this model did not fall back that phase, all roll 3d6s for each 4 plus. The closest enemy unit within 24 elf and visible of this model suffers one mortal wound. Um, then, of course, as Dynastic advises, as it was before, this guy... I don't want to say he seems the worst, but he doesn't seem to add anything else to the rest of the army. He's just a little pinch-hitting mortal wound adder that actually is a little bit limited on its applications. Um, but Michael, did you like this guy? Has he got any merit? If you're doing the the skew mortal wound spamming list, this this has some uh, pinch-hitter value. Also, mm. weirdly, uh, the gun is not bad. 18-inch range. True. Three, you know, you got that. You got that strength seven minus three, two damage. You might get a little bit of uh, value out of that. Yeah, basically, if you're if you're one of those people who's wanting to monster mash satans or something like that, or uh, you have a T bolt and you're just spamming out wounds, you get mm-hmm. a few more wounds out of him. So why not? Yeah, that's fair. Um, Danny, any thoughts on the the cryptex as a whole? I think you, you've pretty much. Denoted that the the Chronomancer and the te- the Technomancer are the two best options for your your style, um, but yeah, give us your overall thinkings. Um, yeah, I think 
they're they're really interesting takes like it's the it's the replacement for psychers that that necrons get and they have ways to like in like influence the game outside of actually killing models um so they're mm-hmm. all really interesting and really nice little buffing units um plus one to hit on the canoptic stuff is huge because otherwise weapon skill or ballistic skill four plus is a real big bummer um especially yeah. on a on an army that pays so many points per model uh for those kinds of units um so you really want Technomancers to babysit some of the like the the canoptic units that you're actually spending points on. Like, yeah, you're spending points on like things like scarabs and things like that, but but they don't really matter. Like their 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 out their offensive output doesn't really count for anything. Um well, it, usually not meaningfully, I should say. Um, <laughs> uh, I will I will point out that all these models are between 70 and 80 points. Correct. Um, I was hope, I was hoping to look and see the Plasmanta was significantly cheaper, like 60, 65, um, but no, nah, they're all between 70 and 80. So, And they're all interchangeable, so that kind of makes it nice in that way too. So if you want to switch switch them around and get some, a little bit different effect on your army, um, you know, it's, it's an easy way to make modifications to like an army list that you already have pretty solidified. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. Uh, Michael, what are your thoughts? Fantastic improvement overall, both from a flavor perspective and from expanding the line. The previous script deck was not even included in most of my lists because it just didn't have any value. Now you're fighting over uh, which one or two you want to take in almost every list. And I, I think it's great. There's some fun little tricksy stuff. There's some consistency additions, and it doesn't break the bank. Uh, in terms of cost, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, a huge win overall, and expect to see a lot of them as soon as they release models for three of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, so you, you made a really good point there. Um, Cryptex weren't in a lot of your list towards the end of 8th edition, and that's simply because the Necron inventory wasn't worth investing in. You took the the minimum amount to, to give you obsec to, to get some points, um, and then you skewed everything mostly into into vehicles or massive or, heavy hitters you just didn't care about command points and didn't take infantry at all which is where exactly I, I had many games where i had between four to six command points exactly right um so yeah but now now it's just i mean the fact that we've been talking which is which are the best of the four and not just saying ah they're all bad move on um really good indication of where things are at so moving on the next new new uh thing is the canoptic reanimator now, I've got a feeling I know where this conversation is going to go, but we'll, we'll, we'll jump in for the sake of it. Uh, movement 8, weapon skill, list skill 4+, plus, strength and toughness 5, 6 wounds, 4 attacks, leadership 10, 3-plus save. This has an uh, atomized beam, um, ad- so atomizer beam, range 12, assault 3, strength 6, minus 2, 1 damage, and it's in its combat. It is strength unit, minus 2, 1 damage also. This model explodes at 3 inches for 1 mortal wound, um, and it's... Nano Scarab Reanimation Beam Aura. Uh, in your command phase, you can select one friendly dynasty unit within six of invisible to this model to the start of your next command phase. When that unit, while that unit is within six of invisible to this model, that unit is being healed by this model's reanimation beam. While a unit is being healed by it, add one to reanimation protocol rolls for that unit. Each, t- each unit can only ever be healed by one reanimation beam a turn. And of course, we know you can only um, add or subtract one to your reanimation five plus. Uh, but gentlemen. I've heard a lot of naysaying about this, but I'm hoping one of you guys can say that it's got some mileage. Danny, what are your thoughts? Uh, n- n- no, he, he got a lot worse <laughs> in like several ways, so uh, he's pretty bad. I mean, yeah, he gets like six shots at 12 inches, which is okay, and he can shoot in a combat because he's a monster. But that that <laughs> the fact that he is a monster means he can't even like, he can't really walk around and support stuff. He's got to walk around terrain, and like he has so many... 
caveats to his bonus that it just feels bad. Yeah, the fact that you can't just point at a unit and then it gets to plus one ever more until your next command phase, it has to ho- stay holy within six the entire time, seems to be just a little bit too much, um, and it's just going to hold it down. Um, anyone know what the points are of this guy off the top of their heads? Yeah, 110. Oh my god, it could be halved and you still might not see it. Correct. Wow. Yeah, there's there. he's 100% correct that it's really, really rough. I think the only way you ever take them is if you take two in the big uh, warrior blob units. So you can put them in opposite sides and and try to get a little bit of mileage out of it, but it's hard to do. Um, it is bizarre to have a monster that explodes. I don't know how common mm-hmm. that is, but it it looks weird. Uh, yay, I guess. Uh, the the just I, I know we don't go into deep into theoreticals, but if anyone from uh, from people who can make changes uh, care. <laughs> um, make this a unit of one to three like spiders and look at the cost or make this thing a character. Well, see, you said it perfectly there, like spiders. So we've got in the, in the unit choices, so in the, I'm looking at the points right now, you've got Creonic, Canoptic Reanimator, one model, 110 points. The very next entry, Canoptic Spiders, 60 points. Yeah. You get if one you more, you have the... 50 you get, piece and you could take three of them, you, you might get some value out of it because you have three beams and they'd have to wipe the unit and it could have reanimation protocols. Yeah. So like, where the... Back, where that gets off its guts is the fact that they are literally 50 points less. You get one more t- one more strength, one more toughness. Um, what is it one one more attack can be taken in units of three, uh, just uh, just for and 50 points less. For and 10. better close combat weapon. And, and for what? points, you get uh, 12 shots per guy. Like, what? Yeah, that's yeah, it's insane. Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Michael, Hexmark Destroyer. Yes, the Hexmark Destroyer, movement 8, weapon skill 3, ballistic skill 2, strength and toughness and wounds of 5, uh, 4 attacks, uh, leadership 10, and a 3-up save. It has 6 Emitic Disintegrator Pistols, which are range 18, pistol 1, strength 6, minus 1, 1 damage. It has living metal, command protocols, and dimensional translocation, which is the deep strike. He, it is a destroyer cult model. It is infantry, and it is hyperspace hunter for people who care about the uh, the strats that we talked about back in the past. Uh, inescapable death. Each time this model makes a ranged attack, you can ignore any or all hit roll and ballistic skill modifiers, and the target does not receive the benefits of cover against the attack. In addition, each time this model fires Overwatch, it scores <laughs> it scores hits on two plus instead of six which is uh, very weird and fun. Uh, multi-thread eliminator. Each time an enemy model is destroyed by a ranged attack made by this model's disintegrator pistols, after this model makes the rest of its attack, it can shoot with one of its disintegrator pistols one additional time. These attacks cannot generate additional attacks. And then hardware for destruction, because it's a destroyer model, it re-rolls, it hits hit rolls of one. So there's, some, there's definitely some things to say. Uh, I like this guy. It's sort of a, it's the Necron Kellermorph, uh, but has more guns. The Kellermorph spits out more shots based on hits. Ours, we get less shots because it's based on stuff you kill, and it's not a multi-damage profile. So you're only looking at that minus one, and all of our range increasers do not, specifically do not target pistols, although it is an 18-inch range pistol, so not horrible. Um... I, I wanna I wanna mention that the inescapable death is kind of interesting because it'll always be hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, 
which is yep. uh, pretty nice reliability. And uh, something weird about the multi-thread eliminator that strikes uh, strikes me, uh, after it's made all of its attacks, for everything it destroys, it can continue getting attacks. With the way the attack steps work, and, and I, Danny can correct me or, or you know, uh, if I'm wrong, but if I'm reading that correctly, does that mean after it shoots all of its pistols and if it kills something or more than one something, it can then uh, restart the attack sequence and target something else with its pistols? That's correct. Ooh, I like that. That's spicy. Nice. Yeah, actually, yeah, absolutely right. That is pretty spicy as well. That opens up a lot of different um, variabilities and kind of wonky-ass things your opponent needs to account for. Yeah, but its its pistol is a bit weak. If it were it is. minus one, two damage? Or, or, or even Ren 2. I feel like Ren 1 is actually a really big issue for it. You can get Ren 2 pretty easily if you go uh, Mephrit or, or in the right protocol. Yep, that's fair. Um, and this guy comes in at seventy-five points, which I reckon's about right for him. That's not over. He could he could go down five ten points, but I don't think it would change much in his, in his viability. Ah, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, moving on. Next one will be crypto thralls. Uh, Danny, tell us a story. Okay. Uh, God, I love these little murder bots. Uh, they're awesome. Uh, they're so, so good. Uh, yeah, they're really they're really good. Uh, so they're movement five, weapon skill, and ballistic skill four plus, uh, strength and toughness five. Uh, two wounds, uh, three base attacks, uh, leadership 10, and a three-plus armor save. Uh, they have a scouring eye and scythe limbs. So the scouring eye is a 12-inch range, pistol 2, strength 5, minus 2 AP, 1 flat damage. Um, and then the scythe limbs are strength user, minus 1 AP, 1 damage. They have the living metal, reanimation protocols, and command protocols uh, special rules. In addition... They have the bound creation. If your army is battleforged, then for each cryptech unit included in the detachment, one uh, crypto thralls unit can be included in that detachment without taking up a battlefield role slot. They have the protector's aura, wall of friendly cryptech models within three inches of this unit. Enemy units cannot target that cryptech with ranged attacks. And finally, they have systematic vigor. While this unit is within six inches of any friendly Cryptech mo- units, models in this unit have a weapon skill and ballistic skill characteristic of three plus and attack characteristic of six. They are uh, infantry uh, and they have the canoptic and dynasty keywords. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, them having the canoptic keywords is pretty interesting. Uh, it works with the uh, canoptic control node. So if they're within six inches of a Cryptech, they become weapon skill and ballistic skill two plus effectively. Um, with their pistols, uh, and they get so many attacks. <laughs> yeah. So each unit can get uh, like 12 attacks from those guys. I, I Like anecdotally, um, I have had uh, two of these guys just go to town, and they took out Typhus for me, which was pretty great. <laughs> what that's insane yeah. um these guys run at their 20 points per model so it's f- it's it's 40 for is that, is that correct yeah two models and it comes at 40 points so they're 20 points each um mm-hmm. you can't jack them up past two two dudes which is a little bit of pain in the ass so any investment in there is kind of just pinch hitting but where i like these guys this is the cheapest squad you can take right like even three scarabs is more expensive than, than 40 points correct correct so this this is your they, they're either your pinch hitters your bodyguards or they're your scramblers getters your behind enemy lines getters your holding up the uh holding up the the flags getters they seem to have a lot of utility based on the missions or am i off my rocker i would say that they are very similar to necron servitor units um and those are a pretty popular mm-hmm. choice with competitive players as well um and except a lot you can't tougher. make 
you can't make servitors hit on twos with 12 attacks in combat. Correct. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, which is where I think they get their point of difference. You can actually legitimately make these guys do some work, um, which I think makes it, it just gets a lot more exciting. When you take one of those units that you, you tend to think is just a point sink to get some points in game, but they're not, they can actually do some lifting for you. I think it opens up a, a myriad of, of possibilities. For sure. And like um, uh, like the Cryptech that we talked about a little bit earlier, like the one that you may have uh, hanging around with your Doomstalkers, if you have these guys within three inches, you can't shoot him. So that kind of adds, uh, if you didn't want to pay the points for that particular, uh, the Prismatic uh, Obstrification uh, rel- or uh, Techno Arcana, mm-hmm. um, you could you just use these guys instead, pay an extra 20 points, and then have a unit that can also do some cool... Uh, uh, actions and things like that as well in your backfield, and they're yeah. canoptic, so yeah. you can use the uh, uh, you can use them for the Necron specific uh, 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 what's it called uh, uh, secondary as well. Mm. No, yeah, I, I agree. I think they actually got a lot of play. So jumping over to Scorpio destroyers, so big old choppy trileg duty bads. Um, movement eight, whimsical skill three plus, strength and toughness five, wounds three, three attacks, leadership ten, three plus save. They come with. Um, Hyperflayers, Reef Blades, or Hyperflayers, Threshers, depending on your preference. Um, no, strength it's, plus. Uh, it's for every three you get a uh, Reef Blade, and every other model has Threshers. So if you take. Three, oh, apologies. Yeah, so if you take three, you get uh, one Reef Blade. If you take six, you get two. This is why I bring these boys on, guys. They hold me straight. Um, so the the Reap Blade, uh, strength plus two, minus four, flat three damage. Wowie. And the Hyperblaze Threshers is strength user, minus three, two damage. And each time the bear fights, it can make one additional attack with this weapon. Um, the only special rules here, so the specials are, sorry, Living Metal, Rian Protocols, Command Protocols, and Hardwire for Destruction, which is their reroll hit rolls of one. Um, Michael, I know Novok will love these guys to death, and I know you will love these guys to death. Uh, amazing they seem they seem crazy good yeah they seem the in the beginning they seemed really great uh they come in the new box they're a brand new model they look cool they hit fairly hard they're infantry they trigger off destroyer things so you get you if you pair them up with uh uh one of the destroyer lord chassis you get hit uh reroll ones to hit and one uh reroll ones to wound which is mm-hmm. uh, pretty good consistency uh, as time has gone on, but as I've learned more and like extended my knowledge, uh, the three wounds is a, a pretty big uh, hit in terms of reanimation. Uh, three to six is an interesting number. You want to take five probably because that six will take take you over the line if you care about blast. And again, it's that bizarre. You want to lose two or three in a shooting phase, so you might get one back, which feels weird. Lack of an inherent invuln is not super great uh but their big wins are speed and uh a decent number of attacks that will probably get some work done but yeah i I think they're i think they're decent um i was really big on them in the beginning but as time has gone on that's uh that's kind of uh trickled away a little bit not fair enough how do you think about their points though they're coming to 35 points per model you think that's about right uh, yeah, sure, but they're competing for the same uh, job, in my opinion, as wraiths, who are the same cost. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, yep. I think the wraiths with their inherent, with their uh, little bit higher speed and inherent uh, four up invulnerable, just put them just a smidgen over the line. Like the uh, wraiths have four attacks; they only have three unless they're uh, with the threshers, in which case they have the four. 
the, uh, the vicious the vicious claws will be uh, hitting on strength six. They're hitting at strength five, and they're uh, they have one point of AP, but they both do two damage. The wraiths ignore models and terrain when moving, so they're much more mobile. Like they get four extra inches of movement, and they don't care about stuff. Um, and they have don't they have fall back in. I think they have fall they back in charge. charge again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That that does put them over the top. I think. Uh, yeah. And yeah, you're right. The involt is, I think, the involt is the big comparison. Um, a three plus save. Um, the Scorpec destroyers are never really going to get that three plus save against anything they actually care about. No. Um, whereas that four plus involt is, is going to be clutch just about every single game. They, they, so but, they actually, it's weird. They, <laughs> it sounds super strange. They, do you actually want them to be two wounds? Which they don't look like that in a modeling perspective, but like, yeah. They'll come back perspective, two wounds is a lot. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah, if they had two wounds, you'd be able to res them wholesale a lot more efficiently. You'd be able to get more of them. Or, you know, it'd be nice if they had like a five-up invul mm. or people no pain maybe, something. something Because like it sounds strange to talk about it to me uh, between a 15 and 18 wound unit and say it, it's not very durable. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, anyway, Do you mind if I say something to... about this? No. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so the Necrons have three really good close combat units. Um, you have score, you have the the Scorpac destroyers. You have the Ophidian wraiths, and you have wraiths. Uh, or sorry, the Ophidian destroyers. I keep calling them wraiths because they look like old school wraiths. Um, the Ophidian destroyers and the wraiths. And so, like each one kind of fulfills like a really different role. The Scorpac destroyers fill kind of like a medium role between between the other two. So where the Ophidian destroyers have like uh, more offensive output. Um, like their uh, uh, their hyperphase reef blades are a little bit better. Plus, they get a few extra attacks, and they're a little bit faster. But they suck at durability. Um, and the wraiths are a lot more durable, and they give you a little bit quicker movement. Uh, the scorpex are are good in that like their strat is amazing. The minus one to wound is super is super good. Um, but uh, it kind of puts them in a weird place. What which is what Michael was saying as well, which I which I agree with. And you kind of have to judge which which thing is going to be the best thing in your army to make that choice um i think like competitively if you're gonna if you're gonna play the necron game which is kind of the grinding game um i think the wraiths are probably better overall um but there's definitely room in your list for any of these no i think that's very well encapsulated and um uh i'll jump over i'll just do the plasma site so we've got uh the conflict plasma site it's a movement eight, weapon skill, skill four plus, strength four, toughness five, one wound, one attack, leadership ten, and a four plus save. Um, it is equipped with a mono molecular proboscis. Everyone likes a proboscis. Uh, it's range melee, type melee, strength user, minus one, one damage. A lot of special rules here. I'll jump in. Um, it has dimensional translocation and command protocols. This is a viral construct. If your enemy, if your army is battleforged, then for each dynasty destroyer cult unit. Included in a detachment, one dynasty canoptic plasma site unit can be included in that deployment detachment. Sorry, without taking a battlefield role, you cannot include more than one plasma site unit in a detachment. Um, then there are so you cannot include more of these than there are destroyer cult units. Evasion protocols: whilst this model is in three of a friendly destroyer cult unit, enemy models cannot target this model with range attacks unless it is the closest eligible target. In addition, this, cannot, this unit cannot perform actions. It has a recall protocol. This unit, uh, so in in the coherency check step of the morale phase, if this unit is not within six of any friendly destroyer core units, this model is destroyed. Um, infused Madness is the last one. 
Once per turn at the start of your charge phase or fight phase, you can select one friendly uh, destroyer cult unit within three of this model. If you do roll 1d6 on a one, one model in that unit is destroyed. <laughs> Regardless of the result, at the end of the turn, add one strength and attacks uh, to the characteristics of models in that unit. It can only be selected once per turn. There is a lot going on there. A lot going on there. Michael, um, I wish it didn't kill one of your dudes one in six times, but the buff is still pretty good. Agree. And actually, there is a winner, in my opinion, of all the ones you can pick, and that's the yep. Ophidian Destroyers. I think they benefit the most from this because it knocks, it knocks their Threshers and Claws into Strength oh, 5 yep. from Strength 4. And it means the ones that have the Threshers and Claws, uh, they already are doing 3, 4, 5, 6, so it moves mm. them into 7 attacks. Yeah, wow. Which, which that if you have a, like, let's say you took a full unit, that that would be 28 attacks plus the other two getting to swing with their thing. So I... I and like it puts the, the Reapblades over the top into tough, into strength eight attacks as well. Sorry, no, strength seven. Apologies, you had it right um, for a moment there. Is there a way for them to get another plus one strength? I think there is, isn't there? That's right. The there, I, knew, I knew there was, it was something. So Correct. yeah, they can get to the, the elusive strength eight, which admittedly is something that kind of is lacking in this book, isn't it? Apart from, I think, Overlords, there's not many things that get to that elusive strength eight in combat, is there? Just left of course. Um, but what do you think about the plasma side, Michael? Do you like it? I do. If you're if you're dumping it with the destroyers, I I wouldn't put it in with uh, the Scorpec. I don't think I don't think they get enough from it. Uh, whereas the Ophidian destroyers, it takes them hmm. over the top. It it murder blends. Them yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. That's that's really well said. But um, um, Danny, anything to add there? Because this is a little bit of a it's a little bit of a wonky one. Yeah, he's got a little. There's like some weird, like corner case jank stuff that you can do with him too. Um, but like, like, uh, like trying to get uh, engage in all fronts or something like that. Like it's another unit, so you can potentially uh, you can potentially get yourself uh, like an extra mm. point that way or something like that uh, if you have him in the right table quarter. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, and he can deep strike, which is interesting. Um, so it's easier, it's easy to get him where he needs to be. Uh, so as long as he's within six inches of those destroyers, then he can, for 15 yeah, points, it's pretty easy. Also have baked in deep strike, so that's why. Yeah, I, I was about to check out how many points he was, but yeah, for, um, for a whole 15 points, if you are investing, you know, 300 points ish into a big beefy destroyer unit for another 15, just to make it that much better, it seems like a no brainer. Um, and I was, and I was incorrect as well. You can actually get eight per the, per the, uh, Ophidian destroyers with the configuration I talked about because you get two attacks for oh. that attack. So it's actually eight per so thirty-two. Doesn't seems pretty good it. actually. All right. Who wants to take Can you Novoke him too? Or is he an agent? Uh not an agent. No, he has a dynasty keyword. You you can. Oh yeah, so you can so you could make him uh oh I was gonna say with the Ophidians you can give him an extra attack on Novoke yeah. as well, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, wait, that's nine per, All if right. you yeah. want to? We, yeah. So, yeah, okay, okay cool. Okay. We, <laughs> there's some meat on the bone there. Um, who wants to Who wants to read the paragraph or the page that is the, the Void Dragon, Katan Shard? I'll read ah, it. I thanks, Michael. Anything All right, Void Dragon, movement eight, weapon skill, bliss skill two, strength six, T7, nine wounds, five attacks, leadership Necron, and three blood save. 
Um, shooting attack is Spear of the Void Dragon, 12-inch range, heavy 1, strength 9, minus 4, d6 damage. Each time an attack is made with this weapon, if a hit is scored, draw a straight line between the closest point of this model's base or hole. Okay. <laughs> and that... Because uh, this model's base or hole, so does it have a base or hole? Okay, fine. And that of the closest model of the target unit, make a one-wound roll against the target unit and each other unit the line passes over. Each time an attack made with this weapon is allocated to a vehicle model, that attack has a damage characteristic of D3 plus 3. So kind of fun. You draw this uh, death line and uh, could potentially hit a bunch of stuff. Canaptic tail blades, uh, melee, uh, strength user, minus 2, 1 damage, and it, each time the pair fights, it makes D6 additional attacks with this weapon. So it's uh, the crazy tail attacks, similar to like uh, Carnifex, I guess. And Spear of the Void Dragon Melee, its normal melee attacks are Strength plus 3, so knocking it up to Strength 9 base, minus 4, D6 damage, and each time an attack made with this weapon is allocated to a vehicle model, that attack has a damage characteristic of D3 plus 3, so very consistent, versus the vehicle keyword. This thing has Living Metal, which means it heals 1 per command phase. Necrodermis, 4 up in vulnerable save, and in addition, cannot lose more than 3 wounds in the same phase, any wounds that would be lost at that point are not lost. It's a enslaved star god, so it can never have a relic or warlord trait. Enemy models can ignore the lookout servo when targeting that model of range tech since no one's trying to help it out. Reality unravels, it blows an exploding monster, um, meaning on a four up uh, when it's removed from play, uh, each unit within six inches suffers D3 mortal wounds. And matter absorption. At the end of each phase, roll a d6 for each enemy vehicle model destroyed as a result of an attack made by this model or a satan power used by this model in that phase. For each two up, this model regains one lost wound to a maximum of three regained wounds per phase. It knows Voltalic Storm and one additional satan power, uh, and it is a monster, character, fly, uh, beast. Yeah. Crikey, there's a lot going on there. Beastly so am I right in saying this is a, essentially it would be an equivalent of a greater demon, but a greater demon that's skewed to, into targeting and being better versus vehicles? Yeah, I, I actually, of, of the name Satan right now, I actually think it's Really? Because I thought it was the most um, the most pointed in what it does. It's the most directed. Um, it doesn't have like a, a sweep attack apart from its tail. I guess it gets D6 extra attacks there. So you could have, a, actually no, you could have up to 11 attacks. Okay. So that is pretty relevant. Um, half of those being at um, strength six yeah. minus two, but um, I mean the spear and the, sh- the 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 spear. I'm not that excited about only because it's only range twelve. If it was range eighteen, it would be actually so much better. But the amount of things you're going to get between yourself and something twelve inches away, maybe it's one other thing. Realistically, yeah, that you're going to get to do the mortal wounds again. It, it, it does move eight, um, so it's not precisely slow. Um, I think the spear is just a hey, something's close. You're gonna mm. you're gonna throw an attack at it. I like that it, it does what it does, but if it's a vehicle, it just does it. A yeah, that's bit true. Better. I do like all the vehicle stew stuff. Yeah. I mean, D6 damage, you're never going to be like, oh no, I've only got D6 damage. But when you've got D6, D3 plus 3, it does it feel has, good, yeah? It has two heals as well, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Not, um, if they happen to take a vehicle, and if you can just do something uh, against it, uh, like if you could destroy it, like just pick up the last mm-hmm. couple of wounds on something, it's. You can uh, you can heal that two wounds, which when it has the necrodermis, it kind of means a lot. Um, yeah, I actually like it quite a bit. Um, the Nightbringer would probably edge it out, except the Entropic Blow. Uh, what was it the 
Yeah, the Nightbringer, the Nightbringer's uh the Nightbringer's good too. I I, I just uh I just mm. edge it out a little bit because I like that ranged attack. I like the uh the kind of the well-roundedness of it and also the power. While the Nightbringer's power is yep. the cool roll the three dice and hope for four up. Um its power is pretty good against units, and again, if it's a vehicle, it can really punish a vehicle. Like I said, you're not maybe not going to see a ton of vehicles for a little while, but if you do, this is one of the very few, uh, in my opinion, like dedicated anti-vehicle things that we just you know can latch onto, other than like yeah. Doomsday Arcs or Canaptic, the new Canaptic. Uh, and the Stalker, model is right? freaking incredible. Like holy crap! Yeah, it looks really good. Um, Danny, what are your thoughts on the Void Dragon? Yeah, I think he's. I, I actually agree with Michael. I think he's really. He's like the most well-rounded one uh, of the three named Satan shards. Um, like he gets a lot of attacks, and you can pay some command points to make him ignore invulnerable saves if he's going into like a, a kind of like a tough horde, like conscripts with a bunch of invulnerable saves or demons or something like that. Um. Uh, and the ability for him to heal is sig- is extremely significant for Satan. Like you don't normally get that, so uh, I think that that's uh, that's that's that, that's very very good. So I think yeah. yeah I mean, just good. thinking about the pain in the ass he will be if he heals two wounds a turn. You can only deal three a phase, and then he gets he gets two back. You're just like, oh wow, I'm never killing this dude. But uh, moving on, we've so next one up is the Ophidian Destroyers. We've already touched on them. In a, a phenomenal amount of death, actually, you consider we've just been like saying, Oh, yeah, it's good on these guys, good on these guys. Um, but just to go over them quickly for those at home, uh, their movement 10, weapon skill, weapon skill 3 plus, strength and toughness 4, uh, 3 wounds, 3 attacks, lead you 10, 4 plus save. Um, they have the same reap blades and threshes that the other guys had, that being the reap blade being strength plus 2, minus 4, 3 damage, and the, the thresher being uh, strength user, minus 3, 2 damage. Um, each time the bear fighter makes one additional attack with that th- uh, thresher weapon. Those have the ophidian claws, uh, which they make 2 additional attacks with which are strength user minus one one damage so a guy with threshes makes six six effective attacks yeah two with the claws and it would be four with the threshes yep. pretty good um, as for the weapons hardwire so add for the specials apologies uh living metal rian protocols command protocols hardwired hardwired for destruction is a destroy unit of course it's got the same real ones as everybody else um hyperphase reap blades each time a model in this unit makes an attack with a hyperphase reap blade and a modified hit roll of six scores one additional hit it's got whip coil blades as well, and each time a, a melee attack is made with a, uh, against this unit, subtract one from the hit roll. And then lastly, they got tunneling horrors, which is just you're pretty much bog standard um, arriving from reinforcements from deep strike essentially. Um, but I'll I'll jump this over to Danny because I think Michael has, has touched on how juicy these boys are in his kind of concept. How do you feel about them? I think they're pretty interesting. I've really been wanting to try like just uh, some units of three of these and kind of build like an MSU kind of melee list with uh, like units of three of these and units of three of the mm-hmm. uh, Scorpex and see how I like that. Uh, the movement 10 is pretty spicy. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they hit super hard. And the, the only downside to these guys is they really need some way to get plus one strength. Um, so like the uh, uh, the... Uh, plasma or the plasma site is super valuable for them as well as that uh that command mm. protocol um and they can go back into deep strike which is nice too um if you put if you get them kind of uh, out in the middle of nowhere you don't don't know where to put them you can bring them back home or whatever if you don't if you don't want them to die but they're yeah and they are 35 points per model they are exactly the same amount of points as race and as um 
score pack destroyers, and they're only a they're only as as hard to kill as a necro, as a Tyranid warrior. Essentially, toughness four, four plus save, three wounds. Um, Bolters will just shred them if you let them. Um, I, th- I guess the best way of getting these guys into combat is somehow getting a, a charge from reserve. But I wish these guys, I wish there was like a three d six charge or something. But Michael, what are, what are the best modes of using these dudes? I think that they have to be running Novak, so you get that uh, you get mm-hmm. consistency, right? Like you get a ton of value out of them, and in conjunction with that, I'm actually going back to Novak a little bit because uh, it's the other podcast episode. So for those uh, those thinking about it, the add one to charge rolls made for that unit makes that eight inch rerollable, the two dice mm. rerollable charge, uh, quite a bit more consistent. And uh, the additional AP yeah. as well, uh, and on the uh, punchy on the punchy protocol, it, mm. they're getting both. So pretty pretty high value. The punchy protocol uh, is hungry void. Every time they make a melee attack uh, on a wound roll of six, they're improving the AP by minus one. The Novox stacks with that when if they are charged or perform a charge or heroic inter- intervention, they get an additional minus one. So those, uh, those Ophidian Claws can move up to a minus three fairly easily. And also from Directive 2, every time the unit makes a melee attack and this unit made a charge move, was charged from a Herc, add one to the yep. strength characteristic. So like Danny was saying, that's a great way to, uh, to stack And I feel like strength. if you're not taking them as Novok, they all of a sudden become like the best unit to use a Chronomancer on, yeah? To give them the, the fly plus inbound and the reroll charges. That's for like if you're playing Cesaris or literally anything apart from Novok. Um, they're like the best thing in the game apart from maybe nine scarabs to give the inbound to. Sorry? I think yeah. Novok makes that too. Like if you took a yep. Chronomancer and gave it the uh, dimensional teleport yep. so it could join these guys, like just pops in, gives them the get a little five up action going on. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think there is a hell of a lot of upside there. Um, it, it's really nice to talk about them in that way as well because when they were launched, I think there was a hell of a lot of naysayers saying, "Oh wow, three four toughness four, three wins, four plus save. They're just gonna die." But um, now that we've got the context of the book and hearing from two experts that they've actually got a lot of agency and a lot of play, pretty exciting unit. And of course, I, I love that they harken back to those those second ed. Uh, third ed um, Necron race. I think they are, they're actually fantastic. Yeah, unit of six guys who do 50 <sighs> attacks twice in a fight. For, like, they are your... Do Just go, from, go, go, go fourth, boys. 100 attacks. I don't care what your unit is. It Nothing wants to make 100 minus 3. You, you're, you're, an, you're an orc. You're throwing orc no. amounts of dice. But yeah, you have metal boys. Yeah, no one. No one. Uh, all right. Danny, uh, Locust Heavy Destroyers are the next ones that are kind of brand new. Uh, feel free to jump in. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, these guys are uh, able to be taken in squads of 1 to 3. Uh, their movement 8, weapon skill, ballistic skill 3+, plus, uh, strength 4, toughness 5, 4 wounds, 2 attacks, leadership Necron, as Michael said, uh, save 3+. plus. Um, you have uh, two options of guns, and they cost the same. Um, so they're both 36 inch range. Uh, one is the, uh, admitted, uh, exterminator, which is heavy 3d3 strength seven minus one AP blast. And then you have the Goss destructor, which is heavy one strength 10 minus four damage is 3d3 on that. Um, they have the living metal reanimation protocols and command protocols abilities, as well as repulsor platform where they don't take the penalty for moving and shooting with heavy weapons. Um, and, uh, they have, uh, hardwired for destruction. So they reroll, uh, ones to hit, uh, they have fly their destroyer cult and their mm-hmm. infantry. Now 
first up, I'll say the 55 points per model. And now anytime, I want to say anytime someone out there thinks about taking a Canoptic Reanimator, just consider you could take two of these guys instead for exactly the same points. <laughs> so no, there's, the, there's seven each, but yeah. even so, like 210 for three of them, the output is really respectable, in my opinion, in conjunction with that stratagem so that they're re-rolling their ones to hit. And then also re-rolling uh, their wounds with extermination protocols. Yeah, of the two gun options, Danny, which one do you think is better? Man, that's a tough choice. Awesome. <laughs> um, so overall, I think the uh, admitic uh, exterminator, the heavy three D three option, is probably uh, slightly more versatile, just because strength seven is still high enough strength to hurt uh, a lot of vehicles. Um, its AP is kind of is kind of a bummer, but. Man, do they get a lot of shots. Um, I played I played these guys against Gene Steeler Colts uh, a while ago, and man, did they do work against all of the like the neophyte squads that were deep striking around the table. Um, I could shoot each guy at a different squad and just like pick up a bunch of models. Yeah, which that was is really crazy. Um, Michael, what are your thoughts here? I I think if you have a way of increasing, well, there's a couple of different things. Uh, number one, if you have a way of increasing their AP, like let's say you're using them as Mefrit. Uh, especially in conjunction with the correct protocol that on wound rolls of a six, you're increasing the AP by minus one as well. Um, You can get some nice minus two, minus three action going, which makes that gun Mm -hmm. a lot more valuable. Uh, Number two, strength seven is that, is that sweet spot. If you are considering the rad wreathed, the rad wreathed approach for the dynasty where the minus one toughness, if you build that uh, minus one toughness bomb, the command barge, which on its protocol turn can get up to a minus seven bubble, which actually is a 14 yes. circle of minus one top. Uh, that strength seven is going to feel really good against, I don't know if there was something that was toughness four mm-hmm. that became toughness three. So you're hitting on threes, re-rolling ones, wounding on twos, re-rolling ones. If you can do everything, it's not re-roll, no, uh, wounding on twos, re-rolling fails, like either through the uh, a Lord or through the stratagem. That, no, feel bad. That that. Mm. Really I yeah. I'm. I think. I think there's a lot of upside to those dudes. And you're right. Yeah. Seventy. Seventy points per model. Yeah. Uh, Seventy per. Yeah. So two ten yeah. for the regular destroyers are the. Uh, apologies, points. apologies, guys. Locust, whatever's. Um, but anyway, jumping over, the next one to talk about is the Doomstalker. Now, there's quite a bit going on um, with these guys in the meta. A lot of people saying yay or nay or you're bad or you're the best. Um, but let's jump in and have a little bit of a look-see. So movement 10, weapon skill, blue skill 4+, plus, strength and toughness 6, 12 wounds, 3 attacks, leadership 10, 3 plus save. Um, equipped with uh, Doomsday Blaster and Twin Gorse Slayer. The Doomsday Blaster is essentially the same as the Doomsday Arc. As far as I can see, it's at low power, range 24, heavy D6, strength 8 minus 2, D3 damage, which is blast. And next one being high-powered, strength, sorry, range 48, heavy D6, strength 10 minus 5, D6, also blast. Can only make attacks with the high profile if it remains stationary during its previous movement phase. Um, Has a 4-plus invulnerable save, uh, contaminated field, um, and has sentinel sentinel construct each time an enemy unit declares a charge against a friendly dynastic agent unit within, sorry, dynasty or dynastic agent unit within 6 of this model. Uh, Unless this model is within engagement range of any enemy models, it can fire overwatch at the charging unit as if it was the charge phase. Uh, This is in addition to any other units that are firing overwatch. Each time this model fires overwatch, blah, blah, blah. It can make attack with its Doomsday Blaster using high power profile, and of course it explodes. Um, 
so this to me this thing seems incredible because of the four plus involved but then also i burst my own bubble and i'm like yeah but it only hits on fours i know there are ways to buff that and make that better but uh, it just it's just it it bothers me that it hits on fours um danny you, you seem to be the bigger fan of us about these dudes tell us why you like them uh well i mean not just because the model is super is cool. cool but i think also like they're pretty inexpensive uh, at 140 points um, the four plus symbol is great. Their ballistic skill also never degrades, um, which is pretty interesting. Like a lot of shooting units like get worse as they die, but these guys don't, they just stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, their sentinel construct ability is great, especially if you're supporting, uh, like big units of guys that you can string back to them, um, so that they can targets, they can overwatch for free against stuff that targets the midboard. Um, and if they're close together, if they're all close to one unit, um, them being able to, effectively have like three of them overwatch uh one enemy unit that that charges you for free uh it's pretty good especially since you get to use the high powered profile um i i think there's a lot of play in these guys and like i the only difference between the big their gun and the uh uh the doomsday arc gun is the range Mm. um it's a little bit shorter range but 48 is plenty enough range to get across the entire board now so i have a I actually have a question about Sentinel Construct. I'll hit this over to Michael. Um, to my mind, it seems to be, I know, I know I've had people bring this up to me, it seems to be a little bit vague on its, on how it uses and how it does its Overwatch. Is, is it saying that it doesn't need to spend CP, it just goes off as as a vanilla as if it was a tower model? Or is it um, this model can spend a CP and Overwatch if something else is being charged within six? Or is it if that if a char- unit within six spends Overwatch, all these guys get to do it too? Um there's a lot of different variations of what people think happens here, and it's it is a bit cloudy. But I think I know which way it goes. What do you think, Mike? The last one you said. If yeah, yeah. If if one guy within six pays to Overwatch, all the other ones within six get to do it too, right? That's the way I'm reading it. Danny, is, yes. that, is that the way you see it as well? Uh, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. What's what's your reading of it? How do you think it works? Um. Let's see here. So, sorry, I'm reading it again. No, 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 that's no <laughs> uh, do you want to switch? Do you want to? Do you want to get Michael's thoughts while, yeah. I, read this, while I read this? Do you like? Again? Do you like this, Michael? What, what do you think about him? Is there something you think is a mainstay? It replaced the Doomsday yeah. Arc, in my opinion. Um, it is easy to get at the plus one to hit bubble with the Canaptic Control uh, War Gear mm-hmm. on the Technomancer, so it, that overcomes its ballistic skill issue with no problem. Uh, the range on the smaller board is a lot yep. less debilitative than you might think. I think that you know you're not going to have too much problem with that. The four up invul uh, makes it exceedingly tough. Uh, unlike the arc, which is sitting at uh, more points and has the quantum shields and only a five up, and then one of them can have a four mm. up invul if you do the strat. This just has the four up. Um, it's already p six, so you know the the differential in wounding is mm. like eh, who cares? It only has two less wounds than a doomsday arc, so it's like basically in the same bracket of toughness as far as i'm concerned and uh, i agree and considering it's 50 points less it is 50 points less guys um you can take three doomstalkers for the same price as two ddas and the three doomstalkers are just gonna do more for you Uh, yeah danny do you have a do you have a a rules ruling for us that shall stand ever more and never once be faq'd or tarnished <laughs> uh I I totally see how you're reading that. Um I I don't know honestly. Now I now now I'm just going to have to pay one command point to shoot him now. Um I have not been doing that in the past. Uh okay. Uh that's 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 not a huge deal. I totally see I totally see what you're saying. I kind of I kind of gave that the quick mm-hmm. over and didn't didn't do the super in depth that I that I probably uh should have. So I'll give myself the the I'll give myself the uh, benefit of the doubt and make sure I'm 
playing it the worst. Yeah, way. I mean, the, the fact is, I think it does need an FAQ because I do think it, it. I think for sure. Yeah, I don't even know what the true intent is, but I, I'd see how it reads, and that's the interpretation I think I come to. But look, I could be completely wrong. We could all be completely wrong. Um, it is G Dub after all. Um, now, okay, all right, we have two more to talk about. We might not even talk about the last one, but this next one is Mr. Silent King himself. Now, I'm going to read this because I'm going to take it upon myself to read the ridiculous full-page unit entry. Um, Make sure to massage your throat I'm, there, I'm going Adam, to. so you get yeah. a, a smooth reading through this entire fucking page. <laughs> All right, let's start us off. <laughs> Movement 8, web skill, bliss skill 2+, plus, strength 5, toughness 7, 16 wounds, 6 attacks, leadership 10, and a 3-plus save. Caesarekin uh, is a... Caesaric, sorry, is equipped with a scepter of eternal glory, staff of stars, scythe of dust, and every triarch Mahir, Menhir, is equipped with an annihilation beam. Your army can only have one silent king. Annihilation beam, which is the, the little thing that's on the uh, little Menhir things that are floating around with him, it is range 36, heavy 1, strength 12, minus 4, 6 flat damage. His scepter of eternal glory, which is the, the one that's been carried by the silent king himself, in shooting is range 24, assault 3, strength 8, minus 3, 2 damage. And in combat, it is strength plus 4, minus 3, 2 damage. The staff of stars shooting is uh, strength twenty. Sorry, range 24, uh, assault 9, strength 6, minus 2, 1 damage. And in melee, it is strength user, minus 2, 1 damage. And each time it verifies, it can make three additional attacks with this weapon and no more than three attacks. The Scyther Dust has only got a melee profile. It is strength plus 3, minus 4, 3 damage. And they can make four additional attacks with this and no more than that in the uh, fight phase. He has Living Metal and Command Protocols. First of his special rules, of which there are many, uh, Noctilith Beacons. Uh, in your opponent's psychic phase, Caesaric can uh, attempt to deny one psychic power as if it was a psyker. Next one, um, Obeisance Generators. At the start of the fight phase, if there are any enemy units within the engagement range of Caesaric, then until the end of the phase, those units cannot fight until after all other eligible units from your army have done so. Next one, Pharaoh of the Stars Aura. Whilst friendly Necron Core or Necron Triac sorry, or triac Praetorian units are within six of this Caesaric. Each time a ranged attack is made by a model in that unit, you can re-roll the hit roll. And then Pharaoh of the Blades, whilst friendly Necron Core or triac Praetorian units within six of the Caesaric, each time it makes a melee attack, it can re-roll the wound roll. Relentless March, which is the same as everybody else's, plus one to move uh, for Core or triac Praetorians, which is a point of difference. Um, my will be done. In your command phase, you can select Necron's Core or triac Praetorian units, which is a point of difference. Apart from that, it is exactly the same. He has a Pharon, and it can use. Um, this means it can use the My Will Be Done ability one more time than usual, which everyone will know by now. Next one is the Voice of the Triarch. Once per battle, at the start of any battle round, if Caesaric is on the battlefield, you can alter your command protocols. If he does, the command protocol that you do not as did not assign to any battle rounds before the battle becomes active for your army for that battle round instead of the one you assigned to it. The Triarch Menhirs, uh, whilst... While this unit contains any triacal menhir models, it does not count as a character for the purposes of the lookout sir rule. Um, and each time an attack successfully wounds this unit, that attack must be allocated to one of those models. The destruction of triarch menhirs is ignored for the purposes of morale tests. If Zerk has ever destroyed any remaining triarch menhirs, uh, in this model are uh, also destroyed. Uh, next model is the Silent King. If your army is battleforged, Caesaric must be your warlord, and you receive three additional command points for the privilege. Um, he also has a full plus vulnerable save. He has preservation auto topor, topor, whatever. If the Caesaric has eight or fewer wounds remaining, it cannot make attacks with his Staff of the Stars, which is the shooting one. And the Pharaoh of the Stars ability um, is now inactive, um, which that one is the reroster hit. 
If it is a four or less wounds, it can't make attacks with the Scythe of Dust in combat, and it loses the rerolls to Wound Aurora in combat. And then Vengeance of the Enchained. When Cesaric is destroyed, roll 1d6 before removing it from play. On a four plus, it explodes, and everyone within 2d6 suffers d6 freaking mortal wounds just to put a little cherry on the top of that mammoth unit, and it is 450 points. Wowee, that was a bit to digest and a bit to process. Michael, would you like to jump in first? I need a rest. Yeah, this is a pretty popular model, and it's clear to see why. Uh, it benefits uh, any army that is trying to, you know, uh, right now holding the center of the board is king, and this big king guy helps you do that. Uh, buffs up your stuff in both melee and shooting. Um, while it is a dynastic agent, it... Uh, I don't know. The buffs are just so big. It's pretty tough to get rid of. It hits decently in combat. He, he puts out quite a bit of a, quite a few attacks. Um, you know, reasonably hard to pick up like across the board, especially for, I think it's 350 points. Uh, 450. For thing. Um, 450, even at 450, um, the amount of buffs and everything that you get from this feel really good. And I think that that like, Lich Guard or Phalanx style army that is just the methodical crawl up to the middle and then live there approach uh, really lends itself to to this model. Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent. Danny, what are your thoughts? He's really interesting for army construction. Um, so because he is a dynastic agent, he doesn't mess with your uh, uh, your ability to take other dynasties with him. And he is a Supreme Commander, so you can take him uh, in the Supreme Commander detachment and not have to take uh, a Cesarkin uh, Dynasty, uh, <clears throat> a Cesarkin Dynasty uh, 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 detachment to like have him in, which is which is kind of interesting. Uh, he's the first character with that Supreme Commander uh, keyword. Um, he's also a noble, so he also lets you can have him and still get command protocols, even though you have two different dynasties in your army. Um, he also gives you the option to take the deny psychic power on a four plus stratagem, and he lets you kind of mix in that Cesarkin uh, warlord trait because he has to be your warlord if you take him uh, in your army. Um, so you get uh, the ability to kind of double up on on a protocol if you want to. Uh, I think he makes the Triarch Praetorians insanely awesome. Uh, like I would be taking a bunch of those, I think, if I took the Silent King in my army because they're both good at shooting and combat, and he does both things for them very. On top very of well. giving them both plus one to hit and plus move, uh, which is just <laughs> yeah, ridiculous exactly. when you consider it. Um, yeah, I mean, you take you take him, you take two or either of your select, you, you take him and you select two core units or Protorian units that he's just going to buff the absolute bejesus out of and take them to the stars. Um, on top of that, he he kicks ass. He kicks absolute ass. Like he, from range, he's, he's probably worse from range. But the, the men here do um, kind of pick up the slack. Being the flat six damage is actually terrifying, um, and they, they are bliss skill two plus as well because they work off his BS. On top of that, he has decent shooting on and mass from the the staff of stars in combat. He's got six attacks at was it strength. Strength nine minus three two damage, and then another four at strength eight minus four three damage. That is legit. That is that is Gilliman level good, if not a little bit better. And on yeah, he does this. And then another. Three. Yeah, and he does. He has the same. He has literally like the same amount of defensive buffs and offensive buffs that he's putting out as everybody else. Um, the, the the you fight last aura. 
as an actual just oh as an actual God. Justin Aura makes him so phenomenally difficult to come to terms with um, that I do think this guy is he's not an auto take, but he's definitely a build around. And the fact is, when you take him, he comes with the best Waller trait. He is your ward, and he comes with the best Waller trait. And on top of that, they, they have, then you have access to the best relic if you would like to. Um, I think he's phenomenally good. And sorry, yeah, and exactly right. I think he gives you everything. Every every little facet that can be enhanced in a Necron army is enhanced by this guy. Now, do you need? Does, does that mean he's an auto take? I do not think he's an auto take in any, in any stretch of the imagination. I think he is a one hundred percent true centerpiece build around model, um, and we haven't seen one of these in a long time. Like there actually hasn't been a long time since GW released one of these guys. Where we're just like, wow, my entire army is going to be polarized around this guy, and I do not mind at all. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> most of the time we talk. About about units that polarize a whole army and we say that they're bad we say that they are that forces you to play the xy style but everything this guy does plays exactly everything this guy enhances sorry plays exactly the way you want to play to win missions in 40k at the moment which i think is his biggest strength all right we have one more to chat about gentlemen before we get to your uh, favorite three but i feel like we can dodge this one if we wanted to we have the convergence of dominion now I know how I feel about this. We haven't we even had a question in the by the one of the patrons to ask us about our opinions on whether these guys are good or not. And I think unanimously we said no. <laughs> Has anything changed? Should we touch on this? Should we deep dive it? Uh, if you need a way of stretching your protocols, you can get your hands on these. They're reasonably tough. Um, they're not prohibitively expensive for that. I think there there is an edge case where you could maybe find some uh, mm-hmm. some value in these. I discounted them early, and then I kind of like looked at me, and I'm like, okay, like maybe, well, you, you know. But if you're maybe in a great book, mm, that's well, a hard sell. Fair enough. Well, let's let's do it then. Let's let's complete the let's complete the action. So, what are they? They are a a three piece. They are a three piece of uh, terrain, and they are come with bliss skill three plus strength six, toughness eight, ten wounds, and a three plus save. Um, they're equipped with a abductor, transdimensional abductor, range twelve, assault D three, strength four, minus three, three damage. They have living living metal and command protocols. Convergence of Dominion special rule: when this unit is first set up on the battlefield, its models do not have to be set up in unit coherency. Instead, each model must be set up wholly within twelve of the other models from of one other model from this unit. From that point on, each model is considered to be a separate unit uh dominion protocol aura west friendly dynasty core unit is within six of this model add two to leadership characteristics of the models in that unit which takes you to leadership 12 which isn't crap um then it's command notability ability uh whilst a command protocol is active for your army which will be every single turn um friendly units with the command protocols ability that are within six of this model benefit from the select both of the selective directives rather than uh the single and then um translocation protocols whilst there are any star steel unit from your army, which I think is only these guys. Um, Cryptech units from your army can attempt the following action, as described in the Warhammer 40k uh, rulebook. Um, activate translocation protocols. At the end of your movement phase, one friendly Cryptech unit from your army that is in three of any Star Seal units can start to perform this action. The action is completed at the end of your turn. Once completed, select one of those Star Seal units and remove it from the battlefield. In the reinforcement steps of your next movement phase, set that Star Seal up unit the unit are back on the battlefield anywhere that is more than nine inches away from enemy models. If the battle ends and this unit is not on the battlefield, it is considered to be destroyed. Michael, sell us. Why do you think it's good? Why, why aren't these guys trash like every other terrain thing? GW's tried to attach with the Codex. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. Uh, it's it's less than ideal, but it does give you both directives. It does stretch your protocols out. 
You can move it if you need to at a, what I consider a fairly high cost in a five round game, but okay. Uh, they are tough. They're, mm-hmm. they're super tough. And I have, uh, at toughness eight, 10 wounds a piece and you get three of them. That's 30 toughness, eight wounds. I, and they are dynasty, uh, configured, mm-hmm. which is interesting as well. Oh, uh, but my question is, is I know their terrain, so they don't give you, they have no attached terrain keywords, correct? That's true. Uh, they have building, the keyword building. That's about it. Yeah. Sure. Oh, and what does that give you? Yeah, it just much. tells you it's a building. So basically the only thing they're giving you is their physical and, presence. Yeah. Now I will say you could hide, you could hide like a single infantry guy behind there or, you know, a character model. Like, the, they're big enough, they're tall enough and wide enough that you could actually like LOS block a little bit with it. So um, the picture shows it compared to a Necron. Like if you put, you know, all three of them kind of, uh, each one must be set wholly within 12 inch of another model within the unit. Like you could put, it looks yep. like you put all three together and make your own little wall. Yep. Yeah, like, totally. You can. Okay. Uh, if you, you can really hide a canonic reanimator behind them. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh that's baby. Yeah, you could just. <laughs> <laughs> you just uh, it's interesting you can have a nice little wall of actual los like legit los mm. blocking terrain right yeah I, I think there's there's more there than meets the eye I, I can't get excited about them though just because there's so much other stuff in this book that i would take before i consider these dudes and i think that's the issue isn't it you said it before in a great books being just a eh, maybe isn't good enough yeah mediocrity is not how you get yeah to danny what are your thoughts cards. anything to add so I built these guys uh, last week because I bought a box of them because I'm a sucker. <laughs> you are a sucker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but I, like Michael said, I think these guys are great if your if your local meta has like shitty terrain. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can definitely use these guys to shore up like uh, deployment zones that don't have a lot of good terrain on them, um, which I think is really great. Uh, their shooting attack is actually okay. If you shoot it at, if you can shoot it like a character or something valuable, like th- three flat damage is kind of cool. Um, I mean, look, th- like let's, let's not beat around the bush. Like they're not good. Like they're, they're not, they're not good. I think they're situationally interesting. I, I just, I don't think that, I don't think you can build, you can have a build that makes them work. I think sometimes in some metas, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of an interesting choice, but they are removable cover. So mm-hmm. if your opponent doesn't like them, he can just blow them up. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, really, that is probably hopefully playing into what you want them to do anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, no, fair. Yeah. I, I, they, I just can't get excited for them. A flat stick. But anyway, moving on, we have two more things to talk about uh, essentially in this episode before we are all done and dusted. And it has been a marathon. So thank you very much, gentlemen, for giving me your time. Danny, you have selected three units from this book that we have not mentioned yet. Three non new units that have had a bit of a, le- a change on or a new bit of a change or a new lease on life. Tell us about the first one you chose. Okay, so the first one that I chose is Necron Warriors. <laughs> and Necron Warriors form the backbone. Yeah, I know, shocking, right? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh, Necron warriors form the backbone of the Necron army, uh, as you would imagine with the name. Um, <laughs> uh, they're pretty good. Uh, they overall, the statistics that have changed on them are not, are not many. Like the gospel is the same. Their stat line is the same. Um, they did get a new ability and a new weapon option, uh, which I think are both very good. Uh, the Goss Reaper is their new weapon option. And this changed from even the Indominus mm-hmm. set when it came out. Um, they were range 14 rapid fire one. 
um, strength five minus two, one damage, and they changed the rapid fire one to just assault two, 12 inches. Um, so you get two shots at 12 inches all the time. Um, and they also added a new ability uh, called their number is Legion, and you get to reroll reanimation protocols of one, which is surprisingly relevant uh, all the time. It's it's crazy how often I end up using the reroll ones, especially on things like uh, uh, if I use the Orb of Eternity on a big squad of Necron Warriors. Um, as an example, uh, I did have a unit of Necron Warriors that got down to two models. Uh, and, uh, just fours rerolling ones is like, is like, is, uh, like almost 60%, uh, you know, uh, like regen models. So I got back, uh, about 14 of them. I rolled a little bit, a little bit above average, but still like the, the ability just to bring back like uh, a ton of models and have them be a little bit more durable kind of offsets the, their save of four plus, um, they're really great at holding objectives. Their firepower is very respectable at strength five minus two. Um, which you can buff in any number of ways, which we've gone over uh, over the course of the two episodes that we've done. Um, I just they're 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 just amazing. I love them. Couldn't agree more. My, Michael, jump over to your first pick. Yeah, let's talk about Scarab Swarms. Actually, <gasps> once again, just to just totally shocked by these choices. They're shook to the core. Yeah, the the big things to talk about here are uh, they are movement ten with fly. Uh, hit on fours, no no ranged. Uh, strength, toughness, three wounds, attacks, a four, uh, leadership necron, and a six-up uh, save. Their new weapon, instead of wounding automatically, is uh, strength three, one damage, no AP. Each time an attack is made with this weapon, an unmodified hit roll of a six automatically wounds, mm-hmm. which is pretty nice. Uh, given that these are some of our cheapest spammable wounds at 135 points per squad, you're going to end up with uh, 36 wounds in a unit. Even if they don't, ba- they basically don't have a save. That's mm-hmm. that's still okay. Uh, they stack quite well all over the place. So there's synergies all over there, everywhere. If you want to uh, lean into it, because they're canaptic, of course. So you can um, make them give them a 12 inch move on the correct protocol. And if you take ancient stir dynasty, um, if you go Novak, they can swing twice yep. with all those attacks, which feels good. It's easy to give them plus one to hit with the canaptic, uh, control piece and to bring a bunch back from a squad. And by <laughs> a bunch, I mean two, if you combo the canaptic spider regen, along with the technomancer regen, who has the piece of war gear, the, uh, yep. phylacterine hive, so you can, you can actually get a little bit back on that. Uh, it's If you need them to be a little bit more durable, you can give them that 5-up invuln. Or if you're running Nihilek, they'll have a 6-up invuln. So that might help you a little bit. They have reanimation protocols now, so you get to roll the dice when they die, and some might come back, which feels good. Uh, they tie stuff up. I mean, there's just nothing uh, yeah. to not like about them. And they tend to eat up all my fast attack slots in every list. <laughs> they make I an outrider look reasonable, don't they? And new models. They look good. And the new models look good. Hmm. All right. Danny, back to your next one. What's your second choice? So we're just going to stay on the same page here uh, and talk about Canoptic Spiders. Um, so we kind of talked around them a little bit, um, but I think that they are probably 
one of the most improved, if not the most improved unit in the book. Um, they only went up a few points. I think they went up 10 points a model, so they're 60 points a model. Uh, they are movement 6, weapon skill and ballistic skill 4+, plus, strength and toughness and wounds 6. They have 5 attacks each, and uh, leadership 10, and a 3-plus save. Um, normally, they just come with the automaton claws. Uh, the automaton claws are melee weapons that give plus 2 strength, minus 3 AP, uh, and 2 damage. Uh, so it's like a power fist, but with no minus one to hit because it effectively makes them all strength eight attacks. So each one throws out five strength eight uh, minus three attacks with two flat damage. Um, so you can upgrade them in a couple of different ways. Um, you can give each of them uh, two particle blasters. You can give them a fabricator claw ray uh, and a gloom prism. You can give all of them all of the upgrades if you want to. Um, the particle beamers are... Uh, uh, two, uh, uh, they're five points each, so they're ten points to upgrade those. Uh, and then the fabrica fabricator claw array is also five, and so is the gloom prism. So the fabricator claw array lets you repair dynasty vehicle units within three and give them back P three lost wounds, which is a nice little uh, bonus if you have things like ghost arcs that are close by them, because these guys are going to be playing kind of the center of the table. Funny the, enough, they can heal a silent uh, king, just in case people are wondering at home. Heck yeah, was well, well, and remember they do have to be uh, Sasarkin dynasty in order yeah. to do that. I've definitely thought a lot about that. It's just rough. <laughs> Keep going. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no problem. And then the Gloom Prism gives them a Deny the Witch uh, ability, uh, as if they were a Psyker. And that's super cheap so, as well, isn't it? Oh, it's only Jeez. five points. So like, so, like, if you're taking a unit of three of them, you probably only want to give one of them a Gloom Prism, um, because the unit gets a Deny. I don't think each individual spider does. So unless you're going to take some individual spiders rolling around, which is fine, too. Um, you you probably only want to keep it to one gloom prism person. And it's the last one that dies, obviously. Um, and right, of course, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the particle beamers. Uh, each one of them is assault six, so they get twelve shots apiece for ten points. Uh, at strength five, no AP and one damage. Um, with an eighteen inch range, which is just not a bad firepower, especially if you give them uh, plus one to hit from the canoptic control node. Now, as far as abilities go, um. They do explode sometimes. <laughs> Another exploding yep. monster. Um, they have living metal reanimation protocols, command protocols. And then finally, they also have scarab hive. So we just talked about how awesome scarabs are. Um, you can just successfully, for each uh, canoptic spider unit, you can successfully, you can, uh, you just automatically res a scarab uh, swarm into a depleted unit. So if they've lost one, you just bring back that scarab swarm back at full wounds. Um, and that's during the command phase. Mm. Uh, and it has a six inch range on that. Uh, they also fly. So don't forget that. So they can fly <laughs> over buildings and stuff like that, which is pretty great. Uh, makes them super annoying assault threats. Uh, combined with the fail safe over, uh, overdrive, um, like we talked about a little bit earlier, an average of 21 attacks per unit is uh, pretty spicy hitting on threes at strength eight, minus three AP, and two flat damage. All of a sudden, remember, remember how people used to feel about Talos literally like about two years ago? <laughs> this is Talos, Talos yeah. 2.0, babies. It's literally it. Um, they are so, so oh. good for the points and can be made to, to function so well. I, I can't overstate how, how much they've gotten better. Uh, but jumping over, Michael, what is your next one? Uh, spiders? Nothing else. Um, I, would, I, I would veto the rest of my choices and just to talk about how great... Uh, they got improved, and the and unrelated, there may be three of them half assembled right now on my on my assembly. Uh, you got them before they were sold out. I'm assuming they're sold out. I haven't even checked. 
Just going to assume. But, uh, they've been sitting in the garage oh, for like four years. Waiting so, for their day in the sun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they did wait. They all through eighth when they did nothing, they sat patiently and now their time has come. So the Transcendent Satan was my, my pick. Um, it's got all the Satan goodness that you'd expect. Uh, movement 8, weapon skill, both skill 2, strength 6, T7, 9 wounds, 5 attacks, uh, leadership Necron, and a 4-up save. Uh, it's melee, its only weapon is a melee, and it's a uh, strength user, minus 4, D6 damage. It's got living metal, so it heals 1 per round. It's uh, still a uh, still a Satan, so we don't need to go over all the other stuff because that's the same um, in the fact that it's an enslaved star god and it blows up. Uh, also can't lose more than uh, three wounds and has a four-up invul. But this is where it gets interesting. It has a fractured personality. So before the battle, select one of the abilities uh, So on your list. In this table on the right, for the model to have for the duration of the battle, alternatively, you can randomly roll. It used to be if you got doubles, you got screwed and only got the one power. Now you get to re-roll doubles, Way which better. is, uh, yeah. that feels good. Much, much better. Um, math says that if you're looking for a particular result out of this table, it's a 30.56% chance. So, um, the abilities are Cosmic Tyrant. At the end of your movement phase, if it didn't advance... Or and didn't fall back. It can use one additional Satan power it knows, and it knows two by default, and it can't use the same power more than once per turn. Uh, result two is immune to natural law, can only be wounded on a four up, which feels good. Um, number three is it gets a three up save, um, which is, yeah, that, that is nice. Uh, helps you against that small arms fire, uh, especially if you can somehow improve its yep. save. So nice. Uh, Transdimensional Displacement, uh, it gains uh, Deep Strike. Uh, number five, it gains Attack Characteristic of six from five, so plus one attack and plus one strength. Uh, always helpful and appreciated, especially since it does not benefit from mm -hmm. uh, protocols because it's a fantastic agent. Uh, and the last one, Withering Worldscape. At the start of your mood phase, roll a d6 for each enemy unit with an engagement range of this model. On a 4+, plus, that unit suffers one more wound, and in addition, each time a unit declares a charge against this model until the end of the phase, minus 2 to the charge. Um, the reason that I like this guy is it's 80 points cheaper than yep. any other Satans and has most of the same durability. With the Entropic Strike stratagem, you make it a mini Nightbringer, which uh, still swingy on the D6 damage, but at least you get that benefit. Um, I am always going to roll the 2 because... The quote-unquote worst combination, probably, in my opinion, is a three and four, yep. where you have a three-up armor save and you get free deep strike. And if that's the worst, um, I'm mm. not mad at that I, at all. Uh, or you could argue that four and six would be pretty, uh, pretty rough, although they that kind of like they kind mm. of synergize a little bit. So again, like no complaints. Uh, See, I'm, I'm coming at this a little bit differently from you. If I was taking this guy, I'd pick Cosmic Tyrant first. I just just pick it every time because I think as soon as you got this guy making three of your choice of powers and then paying a CP to do a fourth, he becomes one of the best mortal wound generating things in the game. Well, it only knows two and can only cast one. Oh, so he would be able to cast two with. Yeah. You have the stratagem where you get the random power, so it might be good, might not be. No, that doesn't. It doesn't quite work. Um, I'm okay with the chance of getting mm -hmm. uh, something hot, and just like 
living and adapting my play to whatever it ends up being. Um, that's, I don't mind the dynamicness of it. Also, it also means my opponent has no idea what it's going to do. Is it going to be the melee mode? Is it going to, is it going to do strike on turn three when your ability to remove it is probably yep. Yep. great reduced. And then that guy lives there forever. That's like, a big call. Okay. The deep strike's actually kind of cute, isn't it? Because yeah, if you deep strike turn two, turn three, when you've removed a couple of things that are consistently going to do wounds to it, you're like, what? You just you just can't kill it anymore, mate. It's just going to run the table. Um, I think that. I mean, tower army, a tower army in general, yes. just have a really hard time. I, I, think, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it can. <laughs> if it comes down turn three, mm. it can't kill it. Like, nah, that's actually huge. Can't. Unless you're someone to play with it and started punching All it right. down, right, Danny? Onto your last choice. Oh man, this one's a doozy. We're flipping back to the to the end of the to the end of the thing, and we're gonna look, we're gonna take a look at the monolith. Good <laughs> lord, good All lord, right. did I want this to be good? I don't know how you guys felt. <laughs> me, me, t- me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. So the monolith, uh, it did change uh, a little bit. It lost the fly keyword, which is pretty significant for it, especially since it has a pretty low movement. Um, so it starts at movement eight, uh, weapon skill six, which doesn't matter. Uh, ballistic skill three plus strength and toughness eight it went up to 24 wounds it has six attacks at top profile leadership 10 and a two plus armor save which is pretty nice um so it comes with four goss flare arcs um and uh the particle whip and the portal of exile uh you can exchange the four goss flux arcs for four death rays um goss flux arcs are 30 inch range rapid fire three strength five minus two one damage uh, the heat rays are 24 inches, uh, heavy one, strength nine, minus three AP, and D3 plus three damage. Uh, it also has the particle whip, which is a 36 inch range, heavy D6, strength 12, minus three, three flat damage with blast. And then finally, it has the portal of exile. And so this is its melee attack, uh, which is strength user, minus three AP, uh, damage flat three, and it auto hits mm. with it. Um, which is pretty interesting. It kind of makes the monolith into like a kind of significant melee threat with six auto hitting strength strength eight attacks at three flat damage, uh, especially for high value targets like Primaris Marines, things yeah. like that. Uh, it has, also, with that chrome, with that chrome mirror paint, you can turn the ball on the top into a disco oh ball, which God. is great. <laughs> <laughs> Secondary huge blast, yeah. right? Um, so it has uh, living metal and command protocols. It has death ascending. Um, so it can deep strike, uh, more or less, uh, it has the hovering keyword. So you can measure distances from the hull or the base. Um, and the base is just enormous. Um, it explodes, uh, for D six mortal wounds within six on a six plus, and then it has the eternity gate. Um, so in your movement phase, if this model remains stationary, then the reinforcement step, uh, it can summon a unit. Uh, if it does, select one Dynasty Core Infantry unit from your army that is in strategic reserve and set it up in the battlefield anywhere uh, so that it's within three inches of this model and not within engagement range of enemy models. Uh, models in this unit uh, that cannot be set up... Uh, oh, sorry. It's a, models and units that are set up with this ability uh, count as having moved a distance in inches equal to the move characteristic in the movement phase. Um, it, has the, it does have the Titanic keyword, which is kind of interesting. Um... It's it's an interesting model. Um, it runs uh, 360 points uh, or 380 points if you take the death rays, which are an upgrade. Um, it does fire quite a few shots at strength five minus two. Um, you can buff it in a variety of different ways. Um, the Chronomancer is pretty good for it, giving it a five up invulnerable mm-hmm. save. 
Um, there's some interesting stratagems that you can use with this thing. Uh, you can bring units from strategic reserve uh, onto the table, uh, especially if you use death descending. Um, you can you can bring it down within nine inches and then bring that kind of like the night scythe stratagem if you want to. Uh, it's just much more expensive. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it being Titanic is kind of a cool is kind of interesting too. Uh, it blocks off a ton of yeah. board space. So if you can like you can use it to kind of plug gaps. And since it is Titanic, it can fall back and still shoot if you want to. Um, if you want to use uh, like its strength twelve flat three damage gun, uh, got, since it does have a question. Has anybody anybody back. laid eyes on this thing? Has anybody owned it or bought it or got had it in their hand? Yeah, I built my first one. Last so it's week. The, is it the same footprint as the old one, or is it bigger? It's pretty much the same Thank size. Cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> I was about to. It's maybe. Uh, I was about ahead, to sorry. say there are some deployment maps where it would be an absolute pain in the ass to deploy something like a, a Tesseract Vault because it's actually too wide to fit in some deployment maps, being only the ten inches. Um, if the monolith was anywhere near as big as that, it was just going to break break many people's hearts. Sorry, continue, mate. Oh yeah, uh, that would that would be the big sad. I would be super bummed if uh, if I couldn't deploy my in my zone and I had to wait a turn for it to mm. do anything. Um, that would be a big, that would be a big bummer. Um, I think it's kind of an interesting kind of mid board unit. Um, again, you can shoot into combat with all of the, uh, like the Goss flares. So if you're within rapid fire range, it does fire like 24 strength, five minus two shots, or it fires those, those four death rays, which are, uh, pretty gnarly at getting rid of vehicles. Um, it got, it's got the portal of exile to eat up, uh, elite units. Like, I don't want to say that it's good. Um, but it is <laughs> it is uh, an interesting choice, and I'm definitely going to try a list with three of them in the future. There's this because uh, I think there might be something. There's this there. symbol next to the picture in the in the in the data sheet, guys. I can't quite make it out, but the more I look at it, the more it annoys me. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, and it is a Lord of War. Why now. is it a Lord of War? Everything you read out when you were talking about this model was like, this is good. This sounds good. That sounds good. Toughness, eh? 24 wounds, two plus save, a hell of a lot of guns. It's good in combat. It brings other dudes in. It can deep strike it. Uh, and then I'm like, but it's a lot of war choice. And it's one of the most awkward things to try and, and get into an army now. And it's always going to cost you Agreed. CP unless you're taking three of them. Um, or you're taking the silent King and two of them, I guess. Um, well, you can't do that even unless you're going to take them as Cesaric. Uh, yeah, exactly. and, um, but Michael, so what are your thoughts? Is, How do you feel about this guy? Um, it, improvement does not Vi mean viability uh, yeah. value. Yeah. Sure. And I think with the Titanic secondary automatically giving your opponent those points, uh, feels bad. I do like that two up save. Um, I, but no, no invuln. Um, not as fast as a knight per se. It doesn't punch nearly as hard. It does have some attacks, which is just good. Portal of Exile. Um, you know, it, at least it auto hits. So here's that's kind of cool. Here's an, um, here's an interesting, here's an interesting and exciting comparison huge. that I just made in my head. You said knights there for a second. I'm like, okay. So an equivalent, a, a knight that shoots equivalent to this one is probably a crusader. This thing shoots about as well as a crusader does. Um, and it's... Yeah, a little bit worse. Yeah. I would argue Really? Hard interesting. Because no. I figure it's got equivalent of the battle oh, cannon yeah. being the particle whip. Admittedly, it's more strength and flat three damage, but it's less shots. Yeah, 
Wicked Crusader with an Avenger yeah. Gatling Cannon and Thermal, thermal Lance uh, and a top uh, mm-hmm. missile launcher, like plus a Meltagun, plus a, you know, one or two, uh, bol- yep. like the Bolter equivalent. But, yeah, like it's not that thing outshoots it and then in melee it just but this thing is, is well over 100 points cheaper for the same same wound safe toughness that, two plus yeah. save which is comparable to the inborn and you can get the inborn in other ways so i yeah. think it's interesting the, the, the fact is it, it's just very awkward in this book yeah i maybe maybe if uh someone does not have a way of dealing with uh three of them that's that's great i think someone who takes the eradicator is just gonna have a joke like, yeah gets this do you know what's even worse? Do you know what's even even worse? I've I know so many people in my meta who are taking like three units of retributors in our flank with multi melters, and you're just like, oh, good god. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. Uh, it's just a bad time. But anyway, Michael, what is your last one? Uh, it's not as cool as a disco <laughs> nothing. Disco nothing. Ball just so you know, guys, there's nothing in this book that is as cool as putting a disco ball in your monolith. Agree. Um, but it's the Triarch Praetorians. They didn't get talked about too much, but they did get improved, and they did get a specific stat. They are move 10 with fly, uh, weapon skill, both skill 3, strength, toughness of 5, 2 wounds, 3 attacks, leadership Necron, 3 up save. Um, they have 2 configurations for weapons, and one of them is basically something you'll never do, and that's the Particle Caster. It's a 12-inch range, pistol 2, strength 6, no AP, 1 damage, and the Void Blade. Uh, strength user, so strength five, minus three, one damage with one additional attack. Um, no, because you have the Rod of the Covenant, which is a 12-inch range assault one gun, strength five, minus three, two Ooh. damage. Ooh, that's much, much better. And Rod of the Covenant melee, which is strength five, because user, minus three, two damage. Again, great. It's that that two damage makes all mm-hmm. the difference in the world, in my opinion. Uh, they are living metal, reanimation protocols, and command protocols. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. I'd, they have command protocols. Uh, is that true, Danny? Because they're dynastic agents. Yeah, that's actually weird, isn't it? They sh- they technically they shouldn't. Yeah. Well, I think that. Uh, well, hold on a second. I want to I want to read that again. So every unit in your army, weird. excluding dynastic agents, satan shards, and unaligned, is from the same dynasty, and you select a noble. After both sides deploy, blah blah. If any noble until the end of the year, actually they get it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well. Wow. All right. That just makes them so much. I didn't even think they get they got protocols. So that's fantastic. Like they benefit from all that extra hot stuff. Like you're not going to complain about any of that. Um, that's super cool. Uh, they don't get dynasty, but they also don't mess up your dynasty, which is fun. They are a fast infantry unit which in this game we've seen that that has some great benefit that gun is good for you know it, those are the perfect stats for harassing the types of stuff that you you know uh, are might be a little scared of those multi-wound t4 things that have good armor saves turning that off seems like a really good call uh in melee they punch pretty hard and their strat makes them plus one to hit so no no complaints there i i think that uh there is a place in a list where if you're looking for a counter assault unit or like a, a really strong harasser, like a unit of 10 of those guys, and they're only two wounds, so you're not penalized. Mm. To have no, I think the best comparison for these guys is actually Bladeguard veterans. Do you see that as well? 
Yeah, I mean they're sort they, of, they, they've got the same same amount of attacks and same strength in co- in combat. Literally, pretty much exactly the same in combat. Um, these guys move faster, but they don't have the inbuilt inbuilt invuln or the two plus save. But you get to resurrect them. So I think I think they're. Output wise, I think they're, they're going to be very comparable to them. But I actually think you can just buff these guys more than you can buff Blade Guard, which is pretty ridiculous when you yeah, say that. They get, they get to roll up, shoot something, and then mm, maybe that, charge something else. The shooting is the most good. is the most valuable bit. I mean, they admittedly their combat went up considerably, but their shooting went up amazingly. If you want a comparison for their shooting, think about people who were taking all the um, what are the jumpy jumpy Birdman, Flash Gordon Birdman in Custodes Venatari. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very similar comparable yeah. shooting. I mean, the Fenantari, I think, are strength six, or these are strength five, minus three, two damage. Still very good, guys. They they synergize with the Triox Stalker because that targets Necron mm-hmm. units with the targeting array. So you could uh, tag something with the targeting array, and these guys could be hitting on twos, rerolling ones. Yes. I think there's a lot to be said for... for I think along with the silent king because i think they just go hand in hand really well so gentlemen that brings us to the end of our necron coverage and it's freaking long we've gone about we've gone over three hours now i think um in total for this episode but we're going to do a little rating system before we wrap up and that rating system is pretty much getting the idea from these guys where they think this army ranks both internally so how good was this army for necron players and for necrons and how good this and, and where this puts them in in the rankings for air for all, all factions in competitive 40k at the moment so over to danny out of 10 how good was this book for necrons and necron players oh uh let's see i would probably say it's like an eight i mean i, I think it's i think it's a huge improvement for this army mm-hmm. it gives them a ton of options they didn't have and a lot of new play styles so uh, really good. There's only a couple of things that I think need to be improved. Nice. No, good job. And Michael, what do you think out of 10? Internal, internal rating. Yeah. An 8 is where I'd put it. A vast improvement. It, I would use uh, the the uh, the lettering scale, I would say, in the ranking yep. of power level of current codexes. If S is the top, of their A, which is the... Yeah, that was going to be the, the next, next question. Yeah, in the rankings of like, uh, I guess, uh, EF to A to S tier, where would you put it? Danny, uh, so we've got an A. Is, is it A minus, A plus, A in the middle, or is it too early to tell for that, you reckon, Michael? <laughs> I feel like A is no, the, fair enough. the correct And one. Danny, what do you think? Yep, I think I think A is perfect. I think that it's a little too soon to tell. Uh, we haven't really seen them perform yet. I think once we do, um, hopefully we get some good pilots and we can see how these guys perform uh, like on a more... Uh, global meta scale. So yeah, I think uh, I think you guys are right on the money with the uh, the both those ratings. In fact, I think eight is if, if five is a pass for how good a book is for G Dub doing justice to a faction, and eight is exactly what this is. This was a essentially a fundamental rewrite of a faction. It's, it's almost a brand new faction because almost Necrons didn't really exist. They were a shadow of, of what they are now. And I think um, externally they are going to be somewhere in the A bracket. I was even going to be swinging for an A plus for them, but I think the proof will be in the pudding. Um, so gentlemen. Well, that brings us to the end of this absolute marathon. And dude, I can't thank you guys enough for making yourselves available and giving me so much of your time. Um, but we're going to go over to part two and record a bit. We're probably not going to report a, a hell of a long episode following this chunk. But uh, we're going to be looking uh, at this book holistically. We're going to be writing lists. We're going to be talking about, I think we're going to be talking about some of the fringe archetypes, things like the Mortal Wound Spam archetype. Can it be a legitimate thing? Does it have legs? Can you play it? And uh, where are some of the other big strengths and weaknesses? On top of that, we're going to really deep dive into mission structures, the what secondaries you want to take, which ones you want to avoid, where are the traps in army building, and all things like that. Gentlemen, where can they find you if they would like to talk to you? Danny, where can, where can they tune into Mob Rules? 
You can tune into Mob Rules every other week. Uh, we release podcasts on Saturdays. Um, so you can find that wherever fine podcasts uh, are found. And also not good ones like Mob Rules. Um, and then <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we also uh, are, have a YouTube channel with uh, where we update with content like Codex Reviews and, uh, and uh, other uh, bits of good information. We do some comedy sketches and stuff like that as well. So come check us out. Fantastic. And Marco, where can they find you? Where, the, where can they find the High Lords? Yeah, we're part of the Rogue Trader Network along with uh, Mob Rules. And uh, and as much as I want to start a one-time Mog Rules podcast, I <laughs> don't have the time or energy for that for, one, for a joke that's not that good. But it, it is amazing that that happened. Um, uh... You definitely should come check out the Rogue Trader Network and, and come listen to the High Lords. Our most recent episode has us, uh, it's actually a video episode. Uh, we have the audio up as a podcast, but if you want to see us suffer as we eat hot wings, uh, the video is the way to go. So uh, a little bit of a recommendation there. Uh, we did that with the In Your Phase guys. who uh, Fantastic. Yeah. It was really good. You should definitely check it out. Yeah. I, I ate a hot sauce that was 670,000 Scoville. That doesn't sound like a good time. And, but yeah, you were, you were not dead, so it can't have been that bad. I did survive, but I like hot foods. Man, that <laughs> is a whole nother level. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. I'm going to put out a little funny thing in here at the end. Anybody who videotapes themselves walking up to Danny at a tournament and saying, oh, you're Danny from Mog Rules. I will buy you whatever drink you want. Post it up, message it to me. I'll put it up on my Facebook pages. And yeah, I'll buy you whatever freaking drink you want. <laughs> you're, a, you'll be, you're a real hero. You anyway, thank you so much. At LVO if you do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll have this huge queue of dudes I have to buy <laughs> drinks for at LVO. It'll be awesome. Um, but thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for giving me your, lending me your big brains and your insights into this book. For those of you who want to, please go over and join us on Patreon and get the second part of this. We're going to do some exciting stuff over there. Thank you so much, gentlemen, and have a great, great night. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. A content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow. Tomorrow.